Welcome to the Positively Star Wars Senate Podcast. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi. May the Force be with you. Looky, looky, Simitai. He's a Jedi arriving. Star Wars fans and welcome to Positive Star Wars Chat, because this is the Positively Star Wars Senate Podcast, coming to you via the power of the Force and with a little help from Skype. This episode was recorded on Sunday the 7th of January 2024. Happy New Year, everybody. Or if you listen to this uh, in, in the future, it could be another Happy New Year, couldn't it? It could be any year. So on this episode of the podcast, we will be mostly talking about the Aetis High Republic book, The Eye of Darkness, and we will also be talking about some random Star Wars conversation. Um, but before we get going on this show, as ever, it's time for a quick word from our sponsors of this episode. Burger Chef introduces Star Wars Fun Meals for Your Kids. A hamburger, french fries, and Coca-Cola. Imagine how much fun your kids will have. Bum, 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 bum. Star Wars Fun Meals. Collect all seven. Only at Burger Chef. And it's thanks to the sponsors who help keep the lights on. Food in the cupboard, wheels on the road, voice on the airways, and of course paying for our D plus subscriptions. Before I introduce the fellow senators, we have a Chris question. So to keep you thinking throughout the show, and there will be a um, the answer will be at the end. So this is a leftover from the quiz last episode where we had the big annual end of year quiz. I don't think I asked this question. If I did, then you guys would know the answer already. Um, so in Attack of the Clones. There were 29 Jedi who survived the Battle of Genosis. But how many Jedi were in the assault squad to begin with? So, have a think. The armorer. The armorer. <laughs> the 29 Jedi survived. Yeah, 29 Jedi survived the Battle of Genosis, but how many were there to begin with, basically? How many arrived? Is that, is that only in the Coliseum? Because there's also. Armies outside. I don't know. I just got this question. It's a Jedi assault team, so this would be the ones that arrive. So it's probably not including Anakin and Obi, who are already who are already there. I feel like we had this question before. It does, but well, nobody can remember the answer. So uh, um, it, it will have a think. Have a think. So let's meet the crew. My name is Stephen, the only British member of the crew. You might be pleased to know. And yes, I'm in England. Good old Blighty. However, the rest of the Motley crew come from across the vast pond of water to the west across the Atlantic Ocean in the United States of America. And in Skype order, we have Ron. Greetings, salutations, fellow senators. Chancellor. We have Ryan. Hello there. And fresh from waking up, we have Ricky. Thank you, everybody. And this is going to be a bit of an unusual show um, because uh, main theme is going to be talking about uh, the High Republic's book, which is just did just come out actually. When did it come out, Ryan? Before this podcast in twenty twenty three. Podcast, yes. 
Um, well, the most recent, at the time we're recording the most recent High Republic book that's been out, The Eye of Darkness, which uh, three of us have read and uh, one hasn't. And uh, yeah, so we were talking about that. And then, well, we have some random Star Wars conversations um, where we talked about this, that and everything, quite frankly. So it's a bit of a surprise for anybody listening. You can listen and hear us talk about uh, random Star Wars topics. Okay, we're going to get on and we'll see how this goes. We're going to talk about the Eye of Darkness, the High Republic. Phase three has arrived at last. We're on the we're on the uh, last straight, and it's uh, Ryan who who is our copious notes writer and our lead High Republic. Um, let me see, Jedi Council member who actually can remember Analyst. everything. Should we set yes. the stage for Ron so that way he knows like where we are in the story? I was just getting ready to say, yeah, please do explain the that the we're in I mean, phase three. There were a, a quick recap of what phase one, phase two was that 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 we're in this phase three thing. Previously on the High Republic. <laughs> exactly. I guess. So this is the Eye of Darkness. We're now one year after what would be considered phase one of the High Republic. So we've had. Um, the cra- the attack on the Valo Fair. We've had the crashing of Starlight Beacon, where we lost several Jedi Masters. Since that time, the Nile, the terrorist group known as the Nile, have set up something called the Storm Wall in a section of the galaxy. So we have a, a large section of the Outer Rim is now sanctioned off from the rest of the Republic, now controlled by the terrorist organization, organization of the Nile. All communication, all traffic, everything is blocked out in this what called the occlusion zone. So they have claimed a section of the galaxy as their own, free from Republic rule. We're now in phase three, which is supposedly the last phase, wave one. So the first of three waves. So Eye of Darkness is the adult book that kicks it off. As I've said, the Nile controlled parts of the galaxy. The Jedi in the Republic has been looking feverishly for a year to find solutions, which gets us to here. So I'll just set up a couple of the characters that are main in the book. So we have, again, this is at the start of the book. So we have a Jedi Grand Master called Pratri Viter has been captured by some of the Nile, and he's now being kept behind the storm wall. Uh, previous characters, Bell and Yaga. if people weren't aware, Beriyaga, the Wookiee character that supposedly died at the end of phase one at the, jet, at the Starlight book, Fallen at Fallen Star. Uh, Burry has survived. He's back. Bell and Burry now patrol the edges of the occlusion zone. They can't get to the Nile. The Nile can leave and come from the occlusion zone as much as they want. Uh, so the Jedi and the Republic almost feel helpless. There's nothing they can do. They can't get through the wall because it destroys their ships as soon as they try to go to hyperspace. Uh, the occlusion zone or the storm wall is being monitored what's called by storm seeds, which just think it's just a bunch of like pods in vast areas of space that like send buoys. signals to each other. Yeah, buoy. They send signals to each other and it destroy it pulls ships violently out of hyperspace and pretty much destroys them in the process. So we have Bell and Buriyaga patrolling the occlusion zone, the store, the edge of the storm wall, because Nile are still popping out, attacking planets, and going back. We have Elzar Man, you know, one of the big names from the first wave. 
his character arc is kind of like that of frustration. If you remember, I was our man. He's the one that kind of turned not to the dark side, but used dark abilities in the uh, the attack on the fair. What was the middle book? Rising Storm. So, uh, see, as I mentioned at the end of the phase one, at the end of Fallen Star, I thought Elzar was one of the best characters written because his arc is one of sadness where he used, you know, dark side abilities, which just was more strength to save people. And he feels bad about it. Now he's struggling with that anger because he may be outside the inclusion zone, but his longtime friend, Avar Chris, she's trapped inside of it, along with some, you know, Porter Angle, who is another side character in the story. So Avar and Porter are trapped inside Nile space. Uh, and then Lena So, the chancellor of this era, her her son is also trapped inside the occlusion zone, which is a story for later. They're saving that book for probably the middle grade. Um, but that's so how you get the general idea of the character. So the chancellor is dealing with losing her son. Elzar is dealing with the longtime loss of his friend, uh, trapped behind the occlusion zone, really going to any means necessary to save people. But I think it was a good setup where we are it felt like very star wars scroll how they set up you know rather big chapters but they told you what was going on you were interested like oh okay this is where we're at they captured a, a grand master jedi and if you want more of that that's in the comics which we may discuss um, so that's where we're at with the characters so i'll try to zoom through the story quick we can stop and talk about certain things or just interesting things so i find that one of those worlds this trapped inside the occlusion zone is hetzel so we all know Hetzel from the sequel trilogy is Hetzel Prime, right? If I'm not mistaken, that's the same planet. Wasn't it Hetzel Prime that was destroyed by Starkiller Base? No. What is it? It's was the, was something. No, it, the where uh, Kaz's family was from. It was it wasn't Hetzel. Prime. It's Hosnian Prime. Hosnian Prime. Oh, Hosnian Prime. Okay, I knew it was eight something. So, but completely anyways, different planet. <laughs> you know, it's pretty much close. North America, South America, it's all the same. So, my bad on that one. So anyway, their main planet is Hetzel. And it's kind of neat because Markian, he has the lightsaber of the fallen Jedi loading Great Storm. And he uses that to light a beacon, So, which I think is just so evil. So there's this big yellow light in the sky because Loden has a yellow lightsaber. Uh, they took over the Capitol building. They painted the eye of the storm, their symbol on the building. So I think that's great. Markian continues to be just this totally evil guy. Uh, Markian Rowe also created a special guard called the Shi'ar. So that kind of reminded me of the Praetorian guards. So he now has this super powerful, pretty much the elitist that guard him at all times. And he has three people working under him. It's no longer about like storms and stuff like that. He now has three people, which I feel like we'll just touch on real quick. So Gira Staros, a former senator of the Republic, she is now the Minister of Information. And throughout the story, she almost has like her own plans where she wants Niall's space to be like, we want a seat at the Senate. You know, we want to be like a populace. You know, we want to control him with ruling. And Roe is like, no, that's not what we are, which is a little bit later. So that's where she's at from phase one. General Vies is the Minister of Protection, and if you guys may recognize the name, she is from the Blade comic from Phase 2, 150 years ago. So I don't know if you guys caught that name at all. 
Well, no, I assumed it was it was in the comic because they kept talking about how they had history. So yeah, so that is the if you haven't read that, I got it from the library app. You know, I'm re I'm rereading it right now because I certainly did not expect to see that character again. So General Vise has returned, and she's now the Minister of Protection. She pretty much leads the armies. All the she's like the main general for all of the Nile. And then there's Baron Bulin, um, who's the Minister of Advancement. And he's pretty cool because he experiments on things. So like he experimented on the Nile. Excuse me, he experimented on the nameless. And so he's now made them stronger by giving them like artificial limbs and stuff like that. But one of the cool things that I thought they mentioned about Baron Bulin um, is that he has discovered a method to brainwash people to make them like totally um, under his rule, which just reminds me of Inquisitors. So I love trying to make little connections. You know, between that was in the book. Yeah, it straight up says that Baron Bulin, uh, who is a, a Thorian, you know, the long neck guys, um, he and it's Marky and Rose saying it that Baron Bulin has even found a method to make people completely subservient to him, and that just reminded me personally of the Inquisitors. So he straight up says he breaks down their psyches so they do anything for him in the Nile. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And I hope to see more of it in later books because that was all they mentioned. And do you guys, I guess that read phase two, do you guys know the name Baron Bulin? Or I guess it'd just be Bulin? Not really. It's not a familiar, but I couldn't recall it. He is one of the littles from Marta Row, mm. uh, you know, in the, in the hand. So I thought it's one of those names that popped up and I'm like, man, that sounds really familiar. And it wasn't until like a week ago, someone said, oh, he's the little. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, that's he's so right. It was as soon as they said it, I recognized it because I write down a lot of names in the book, but I can't write down every name. So when you're talking to side characters from the street, who I don't think much of, I don't write it down. And I'm like, of course, he now leads the Nile in all of advancement. And I, you know, I totally forgot who the character was. So, yeah, I do like the idea of those three. So continuing on with the book, I'll just try to hit some of the main points here. So Avar inside the occlusion zone, she steals a bunch of grain um, while trying to help people because the big story with Avar and Porter, both inside the occlusion zone, is they feel like they're not doing enough. Like they try to help, but by the end of the book, they realize it's not enough. Porter Engel is just surviving. He's just getting by. He might help someone here and there, but he realizes he has to get word out to the Republic how bad it is because the Nile's like, hey, everything's cool, it's fine. Um, and Avar is like stealing grain and helping people. But there's a big moment in the book where she goes through all this work. She has giant space battles and she steals grain. She brings it to this planet. They're like, is there any more coming? Because this is only going to last two weeks. And it crushes Avar. So again, that's a really good... We're so like, not... I wouldn't know. appreciative. <laughs> It's a valid question. Like, okay, when's the next shipment? She's like, well, what do you mean? And, you know, when you're going to feed a city. But then he's like, why don't you just plant more? And, and they're like, well, we're, our religion keeps us from planting in the ground. Like, well, then you guys are going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Ricky, the leader of the planet, he's like, well, you could die then. So, it, is, it is a wake-up moment for Avar where she's like, I have to do more than just help one person or two person. I have to go directly for Markeon Row. And, and that was pretty much like the first third of the book was like you had Jedi that were trapped behind the occlusion that were trying to get out 
and then you had one like Elzar trying to figure out how to get in because they can't get communications back and forth at all. Like they're trying all these different things and anything gets uh it, nothing gets passed out the the buoys or whatever the beacons. So any communication they try to just static nothing. So all gets canceled out. So good yeah. starting character arc for I like that realization by Avar. Um, I I did I did like that um, Markion was using the mouthpiece of the uh, the main reporter I guess for the galaxy who was like the uh, reporter that was reporting on Valo when when they were um, doing the fair right wasn't she with the chancellor? Yeah, Rin. I th- it was something like Rin, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And now she's he's using her to like use this propaganda and say like, Oh, well, every, everybody's fine behind the, you know, the Nile space. We're not ruled by the Republic here. So you can be free and be whatever you want. And meanwhile, they're being like terrorized <laughs> and like pillaged and having to pay tributes and getting all their, their farm stuff taken and all their crops. So yeah. Yeah. Bro definitely continues to just be, you know, pretty much a total jerk <laughs> making them, they're like, oh, look, you're free of taxes. Now we'll take one third of your food and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, they're tithing. I'm like, come on, man. Really? Like, I, I really hope you have a big old battle to see you put out. Because he, he's great. I really do. Um, I thought I thought Elzar and Bell, they both had great arcs. While they're separate the whole time, they dealt with anger. And this was what I love. I love seeing Jedi humanized. Because it is difficult. You can't just bury all your feelings all the time. Elzar is working to the end of the earth. And he almost goes too far. And he puts people's life at risk. And same with Bell. Um, there's two moments in the story. Where once they realize. That they think there's a way. To get through the storm wall. Elzar convinces the Jedi Council. With the help of Lena So. To build this massive army. To get through the storm wall. There's a, they think there's a weak buoy. They're going to shoot it, and then they're going to try to get through it. In the end of the book, it ends up realizing that Marky and Rail planted that just to draw them out. Well, Alzar kind of rushes headfirst into it, which has been his character arc. Remember, he uh, he killed uh, he killed the character at the end of Fallen Star, which caused the crash of the Starlight Beacon. You know, Alzar is really struggling. I hope this dude learns his lesson soon because I can only give him so many passes before I'm like, dude, you suck. Like. You're making a lot of mistakes here. So he costs some people his lives and he kind of realizes that he's in a dark spot. You know, they try blasting through the storm wall. The storm wall repairs itself and it ends up destroying like four ships. It kills a Jedi. It kills like a hundred people. Um, Elzar has to return to feed it. Alina so kind of the chancellor lifts him up. And I think that's a re- really good arc where she's like, listen, we have to deal with our failures, but we can't stop. So it's, I like, I was with, I was with Bell where he was like, we have these ships now. We're going to be behind the wall. Like, why don't we just go and fight and attack them? You know? But then he's like, extremely then he's like, wait, I'm, I'm not even asking if anybody wants to do that. We're going to put everybody in danger by, by doing that. Yeah, yeah. So that I like when Jedi actually have to struggle with their anger. I think it's done well in a uh, master and apprentice and the Padawan books where it follows Obi-Wan Kenobi as a Padawan. I think it does really well there where you have to kind of get through your teenage phase. Well, now Bell is almost bent on revenge, even though we got Burry back. You know, he's like, we must make them pay, pretty much. And Burry Yaga's a very caring character. And that scene with Bell, when at one point, and I'll get to it more, but the storm wall expands. Marky Rose sets this trap just to trick the Republic. So he expands the storm wall and claims more planets. But while the storm wall is expanding, 
ships can move freely in and out of the storm wall. So he's like, let's stay, let's stay, let's stay. And Buryaga's like, no, everyone on the ship has families. It'll be one ship against a Nile army. You can't put everyone at risk. And it's that talk with Buryaga who makes Bell realize that he can't put people at risk just for his own gain. And it's it's tough to see characters struggle with that. So uh, Bell and Elzar, I think, are written great. I just hope that they understand. Like I said, I'm giving them a lot of leeway because I like when characters make mistakes and they get their redemption arc, but I hope they get it because, you know, they're, they're putting a lot of lives at risk. It's, they're both great characters. So that was our, I, did, I did, I did like that part of the book where they're like naming off, Oh, we lost this planet. We lost, and these, it's all planets that, you know, like now, you know, in star Wars. And yeah. Like that. So you, now, you know, at one point they were like under like this crazy pirate leaders rule, you know, for, for a while. It's just a, you know, I, I like that they kept naming off all these like familiarized planets for that that haven't been mentioned in the story really, but now that they're like you know that what part of the galaxy you're in now because like oh this is getting serious because now they're I forgot what what planets did they named did they name uh, Pantora and I have a list I just have to find it but I know some of them were like Ryloth like they lost yeah, Ryloth, Ryloth. That, yeah. that was trapped in there so there's a couple of big ones like that. Uh, I think you know all the all the people like looking at the models like freaking out. We've lost Ryloth. We've <laughs> like the audiobook did a really good job of of, uh, of that doing the tension during that part. And all the systems and all the planets in the Ryloth system. So mm. uh, like Dadius. Yeah, I have a list, but like I said, I got like a five hundred page <laughs> five hundred word list. <laughs> it's longer than the book. <laughs> through, so, but yeah, so the inclusion zone is serious business. Um, it goes on and. Roe had, on the end of the one year anniversary of the fall of Starlight Beacon, Roe comes, Lena So makes this speech, which I'm like, dude, I hope these chancellors get better doing their job because she promises the galaxy. The Nile have told us that they're not going to do anything for the one year anniversary, which is Giristaros trying to communicate and make the Nile something they're not, uh, you know, someone that they can talk and have peace with. So Roe makes this big presentation across the galaxy. And he kills Grandmaster Jedi, you know, Pratri Viter live on TV using the nameless. And it was a horrifying scene. I got to say that. So, again, it's just Roe really knows how to dig at people. And it's really good. So he just says this was a trait. He tur- no, he didn't really turn on us, I should say. He battled against us. They're like, oh, all we want is peace. And then we have to capture this Jedi yeah. outside the occlusion zone, I may mention. They weren't in Nile's face. So they captured him. This is the first time the Jedi see the Nameless because it's on TV. So there's a lot of good character actions. We're like, whoa, that thing is hideous. So, and the dude gets eaten and turned to dust, you know, and you get, and it goes back to Elzar freaking out because, and Bell just getting blinded with rage because they killed the Grandmaster in one of the worst ways possible, turning to dust by their own fear and having the force sucked from their body. Um, so yeah, they killed that Grandmaster, which has an amazing. We might have to cover it later. Amazing wait, battle, wait, and then like it, it was kind of stupid on Martian's part because now they all know what it is and what it looks like and what happens because like the whole phase one, they're trying to figure out why is this person a husk? Like what's going on? You know, and now he like televised it. So now you have like the Jedi Masters and like, well, this is not as bad as we think it is because now we can get information from what he just showed us, and now we actually we know what it looks like, even but though like. Seen three it. of them or four of them 
were there back in the day when they showed up originally, but but also yeah. non Force users have witnessed it. Um, yeah, I think in some comics when they uh, when they were escaping Starlight Beacon, there was Nameless just running around. Yeah, and, and a people lot were like, "Oh, there's animals," you know. <laughs> shot, yeah, they're being shot at by normal people. It was only Jedi or Force users that couldn't see them. So I'm sure there was some talk about what they looked like. But yeah, he straight up was like, "This is what you have to fear. This is the face of your enemy." So it's so that was. Uh, and they noticed that he had a rod in his hand too. Yeah, which uh, I was hoping to hear more about that. But I think uh, I think Bell probably like or who was looking at that stuff? It was Bell, right? When he kept watching the video over and over again. Yeah, that and was Bell. He's like, stop watching that, and he's like, well, I need to figure out what's going on. You know. Yeah. Again, Burry's great. It's just re- the most compassionate character. <laughs> in the audiobook. <laughs> I did start listening to the audiobook, and I'm wondering if he just jams a bunch of oranges in his mouth, and it's just like. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> That's what it yeah. Sounds like. That's tough from our man. It, those work yeah, the, whole, the whole worky stuff is just, yeah. <laughs> even even Han did it in so it's, not an easy, it's not an easy thing to do, and and for it to say, and for it to make um, take seriously, ruin it the best of times. So he's probably just the best best that he could do of it. But it, to start off with, it was just. It should have a serious crash. It's a serious conversation, I and mean, all you hear is like, um, you know, it doesn't sound anything like the gravitas of the situation. Um, <laughs> well, but, yeah, or, or he goes, okay. yeah, well, it's like, um, it's a bit like, um, Skippy the bush kangaroo, and it comes up, and then the person, Skippy the bush kangaroo, I have yeah, no idea what that is. You don't know Skippy the bush kangaroo. No, no, that was the UK. No, thing, any, man. Anyhow, right. So, anyhow, it doesn't matter. So, like, um, Buriago will go, and then, then Bell will go, so you mean we should, so you, so what you're saying is we should do this, then do that, and do this, do that, do that, that, and this, and then that. And you only said like one one word. Um, but yeah, that's just the way, that's the, that's the way Shiruki, whatever it is, uh, Shiruki, Shiruki works, I suppose. One growl means uh, um, two or three sentences. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've seen. <laughs> Han try to use Shree Wook also in Solo, and it sounds weird, you know, not mm-hmm. easy for humans to do. So, but uh, let's see. So, Rogue kills Vader live on TV, and that pretty much pushes everyone over the edge. Uh, Lena So Chancellor is now like, okay, we got to put together something. Elzar Man is like, okay, we got to attack the storm wall with everything we got and try to get through. So. And like I said, in the end, it was all Rose's plan. He was going to do something so terrible that they had to react. And he was just going to act like there was a weakness. And then he ended up blowing all the ships anyway, just to laugh in their face. Uh, and I'll get to my overall thoughts on, I guess, Eye Darkness towards the end. But So moving on from that, Gera and Ro have a conversation. And I thought this was brilliant in the whole aspect. Of Star Wars and the benefit that uh, Gero is uh, is Mark and Rose lover and yeah. a senator. She's, she was a senator and and she kind of switched sides because she fell in love with this evil bad guy, and so now she's like yeah. his right yeah, hand. Yeah. yeah, but she's trying and to be it, diplomatic, and he's over here killing people on live TV. <laughs> yeah, she wants to make it. The Nile need a seat at the Senate and all that stuff, and he just and wants legitimize to legitimize their occupations. Yeah. He's just like, no, I want to bring the downfall to the Republic. 
but also uh, you have a rockin' body, Markion, because the comics are like shirtless. <laughs> so, I, I mean, she's like, I'm so angry at him. And then she's just like, I want to touch his chest. And I'm like, dang, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, they, they have a, a meaningful conversation that I think applies well. Again, I like looking for tiny little connections. Maybe mean something, but they mean something to me. So, um, Rose I thought says he was in to, a killer in the beginning of the book. <laughs> oh, I think that's coming. It's like he's you. He used her. Let's be honest. He used her to try to do all this stuff to legitimize the Nile, just to have this counterattack to laugh in their face. So mm. I do see her getting stabbed in the back when he's done playing games with her. But a story for another time. They're pushing a lot. Of, I'm expecting a lot from these last two adult books. <laughs> if there was like two more waves, I wouldn't complain at all, man. But that that last book's gonna have to be 500 pages. So. But Ro does have a good conversation with Gira, and he says it, it was short notes, but he says the Jedi and the Republic will learn to win at this game only by becoming their enemy, and by becoming your enemy, you lose after all. So I think that was a great talk on how the Jedi, and again, I will defend the Jedi all day long in the prequel trilogy. It wasn't their fault. They had no choice. They were forced into it. But by trying to become your enemy, you know, the Republic started all this military. In the end, they're losing. So we know the prequel trilogy was strung by one guy on both sides. But in this, what the Nile are truly doing is he's twisting the entire Republic. They didn't have a defense coalition before the Nile. They did not have a galaxy-wide army until the Nile. So he's making... He's convincing the Republic to become their enemy. And in the end, they're still losing because they changed fundamentally who they are and who they always were. I thought that was really just a strong. Well, and then you see now, there, right. There was like a, a spot where um, when they were having that meeting about what should we do now? You know, because, um, you know, they had killed the Jedi on TV and stuff like that. And like uh, the chancellor's like, well, we need to attack and do this and that. I believe it was at that point. Um, and then Yoda and them are like, well, like it's not our decision; it's up to you. Like, but we're going to support you, but we're not the we're not the Senate. Like, we're just the order. If you need us to help, then we'll help. But like, that's not our decision. Like, you're making the government decisions, which is like really like setting the seeds for like the prequel era. Because yep. you have the you have the Jedi Council like kind of hand in hand with the Republic, so it's like all these things are happening that are bad, and as a result, you're having the government get I mean the Jedi Order getting tied in with the government more and more, and I, I thought that was like kind of a nice setup for uh, for the prequel era. Yeah, you yeah. see these nice threads that try to connect them. Um, how this is the height of the Republic and the Jedi, and they slowly start getting cracks and everything. And Rose says this isn't about winning or losing. This is about ruining the Jedi and what they believe. So it's just like, he doesn't care if he dies. He's just like, the Jedi are going to be broken forever. And that ultimately leads to what I believe is the plans of the Sith that you have to destroy them from the inside. You can't just stop the Jedi face to face. You have to destroy them from the inside. And well, you do like, what's, what's your plan? Like, like aren't you, don't you want us to be like legitimate? She's like, he's like, I just want them to die. <laughs> you know? And she's like, okay. And that, that <laughs> like, he wants to ruin the idea that's the thing you don't want to ruin the idea you know what the jedi do you want to ruin the idea of the jedi and that's like an evil thing to do you know 
It's like uh, Joker and Batman. He's like, I want you to break your own rule. It's kind of like the same thing he's doing. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like that. He's like, I don't care if I win or lose. I just want to break you. And it's just like, ooh, you're evil. You're evil, man. So uh, continuing on from there, Bell and Burry have a good scene. Again, like, this is why I love the Jedi of the High Republic. Apparently, the Nile raided a city, and the Republic Defense Coalition, the RDC, says, okay, we've cleared all the survivors. Uh, everyone else is dead. Bye. And they split. Well, Bell and Burry go there, and they're just walking around, and Burry senses all these people down below. There's this really powerful scene of Bell holding up like this building, like all this rubble. Burry helps him, and then it's just like, it's on you, brother. And then Burry runs into the rubble, and he just tells his friend that he trusts him to not crush him, and they pull nine people out of the rubble. And that's a big moment for Bell, because he, Bell doesn't find these people buried in the rubble. Burry does. Because Burry's still connected to people. And Bell is just like, oh, I'm just hearing ghosts. Like, what? Like he's so preoccupied. But it wasn't until Burry almost sacrifices his life that Bell realizes, you know, we just saved nine people. That's, that's it. But it's still nine people that's not on the, on the Niles list. I, I like before. that that kind of echoed the first book where Burry was, like, letting them know, like, how to, like, wasn't there, the ship was coming out of hyperspace and it was destroying, like, he, like, heard that there was people yeah. right the hyperspace disaster yeah, yeah he was like, don't shoot that that's a escape pod that's not yeah. just rough so they're continuing his where he's super connected to emotion more than other so that was a cool scene um they have scav droids they introduce scav droids in this that we see in revenge of the sith uh, I, was, and, I was gonna say that like they sound almost the same as the um what do they call them in uh revenge of the sith they're they they're scav. not scav yeah, droids are called now. I can't remember what Obi says when they're just like uh, hop in front of them. Vulture droids? No. No, I don't know. Well, I don't they don't something. But yeah, they have like, scav droids. R2 they, hit the center, all right, yeah. Yeah, they just tear apart ships. I think they're a little bit bigger. But Avar Chris goes out on the ship and like battles them off with their lightsaber. It's like this big battle with all these little scav droids type of thing. So as they're trying to save people. Uh, Porter kills a bunch of Nile to try to rebuild. So he's rebuilding a droid from phase two, 150 years prior, to try to get it outside the storm wall, almost like using old technology. And it eventually does work. But Porter has a really cool scene where he kills a bunch of Nile. Um, Elzar meets Aslan Rel. So Aslan Rel is from phase two, 150 years prior. He's the one that discovered the dust bodies from Path of Deceit. He touches the nameless in Path of Vengeance. If anybody read the manga, he had a big manga story where he wrote the Shri Karai rhyme or the poem or whatever it is. So mm. Ezreal had all these interconnecting stories. And surprise, he's and in Shadows of Starlight. It's revealed that he's alive for 150 years because he's dipped into the dark side. And Aslan meets Elzar and tells him, I see much of you inside me. And it's like, Dang, dude, that's really a way to chip at a guy's psyche. So I'm excited. You remind me of me when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm evil now. <laughs> Elzar's obsessed type of thing. So it's there's just so much more I want to, like, I'm ready for the next story. Um, I was confused when I read the comics because it said that happened like six months after um, when Yoda brought him into the council. And like in the book, they were all shocked and that was supposed to be like a year later. That he brought him in like what is he doing in here like why are you bringing this dark side well, 
Yeah, that was in the comics, but also in the book, it mentions that the disaster from the comic already happened. I do agree. I was confused there for a second, but it says, oh, yeah, after Yoda witnessed the crash of that ship in the city. And it's mm. like, it was Aslan Rell the whole time. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that, that happened, happened before he brought him back again and met Elzar? Before he so- met Elzar, yeah. So, even after, so the end of a little spoiler for maybe a future conversation. Shadows of Starlight, the comic issue one, ends with Aslanwell crashing that ship into the city because he yeah. tri- straight up tricked Yoda. And he's like, the only way to stop the Nameless is to kill anybody that can find the Nameless. Yeah, so it's Planet yeah. X basically stopping yeah. them around. Yeah. I want to find them and talk to them. And Aslan's like, sucker, I'm going to kill everybody. But that happened six months prior. So that mm. was before that it happened. Um, and then now this book happened. So apparently Yoda's still with the dude, even though he just destroyed a city. Yeah. Yoda's like, uh, yeah, we still got to keep him around. I'm like, dude, Yoda, like this dude better have some good information because he just blew. He just killed like a million people. So Yoda is like, basically not helpful in the book either. <laughs> uh, I Again, I don't like the bad mouth Yoda, but it's like, dude, like. He, he's like he more needs, information we need like you have the information yoda you were there like tell us what's going on a young man at that age so but he doesn't know the history of them he's been around them and he's felt them you yeah know, he swept it under the rug yeah he worked with Crichton's son to cover up all the information like he's the only person in the galaxy behind besides aslan that knows they exist and it's just like well what did you find yoda like tell us so Super must make <laughs> busy. Yeah. Yeah. So again, that's I'm holding off reservation until more towards the end when it's like, what will Azenrel truly provide that makes all his terrible deeds worth it? Was yeah. Yaro Poof um, alive during Phase Two? Is he as old as Yoda? Not as old as, but he was mm-hmm. alive this time. He's, okay. I think, he's on the council. Like that dude has been on the council for yeah, over he's... years. Like right. retire, man. Give someone else a spot. Because he's on the council in the prequels. <laughs> yeah. He's still in the council 200 years prior. Like, again, I've said it before. I don't know how humans get on the council because you've got people like Yoda, Yarrow Poof. Uh, uh, Yarrow Poof is always sticking his neck out for people. <laughs> don't forget about, uh, I can't remember his first name, but Rancissis, the dude yeah, with the long Apple Rancissis, yeah. He's been on the council for 200 years also. Like, dude. To give give someone else a try. They're basically the Council of Trees from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like nobody makes a decision; they just kind of sit there and talk to each other. Yeah, it's it was it's frustrating hearing all the scenes with the council because it just seems like they just sit there and like, oh well, we can't do this, and then we can't like, oh my gosh, guys, like pick something to do. <laughs> like it was frustrating. Yeah, there's definitely a big discussion where it's should we or shouldn't we join type of thing. So, um. Like I mentioned, they discovered the weakness in the storm wall. They tried to attack it. Fails terribly. Roe uses it as an excuse to expand the storm wall and pretty much laughs in their face. Um, Elzar is pretty much as if the dude couldn't get any lower. He's even lower. He records a message for Avar. And, you know, by a MacGuffin, he records it on an old recorder that only old technology has. And it just so happens to be that Porter Angle was building a droid that can receive that message. So, you know, a little bit of MacGuffin thing. Uh, and then Avar ends up hearing it inside the storm wall, 
and it like reinvigorates Avar. She like breaks down and cries, and she realizes that it's important to get out of this area to rally the Jedi and stuff like that because they're kind of just buried. They don't know what to do. So, but yeah, um, there's a gen- general vice, as I've mentioned, the Minister of Protection. She is Beast awesome in the book. Oh yeah, <laughs> I pronounce it. Yeah, I think the audiobook is Beast. Yeah. I just started listening to the audiobook, so I know the spelling, but not the pronunciation. Um, no, no, not the spelling. Avar drops in, and it's let's see. Avar convinces um, the reporter and another Nile to help her escape by getting uh, a path engine to get outside the storm wall. Well, General, would you say Vice is how they pronounce it? Vice. Vice. Okay. Yeah. General Vice intercepts that message and as they're kind of getting ready to leave she like bombs (laughs) she like bombs everybody they get up into space they have this big battle and general vise goes one-on-one with porter angle even though she has an armor of beskar you know she's still able to stand against someone like porter angle who's at that time one of the best jedi if not the best jedi swordsman uh, around and i like the idea that jedi aren't the gods of the kind of galaxy because I like that some people can stand up to Jedi if they're just peak physically trained. You know, Cad Bane has bested multiple Jedi all the time if they're just the best at what they do and what wasn't they she do. Like, didn't they just call, wasn't she called a Jedi hunter? Because Rohead is Jedi hunters, right? She has killed a lot of Jedi. Yeah. So apparently she hates the Jedi for some reason. But so that I, was an awesome scene with Porter because like Avar is fighting her. And then, like, kind of losing. And, like, they're kind of surrounded her in a rail. And then, like, the sky lights on fire. <laughs> and the ship crash. And here comes, uh, you know, he Porter, like, just falls out of the sky holding a knapsack. And, like, with his lightsaber. <laughs> and lands Wait. and starts fighting. That, that was amazing. This is at least the third time this happened in the book. And yeah. In the High Republic. Like, what, the first time was Bell. Uh, yeah, Bell was learning, which was a super emotional scene. The I trust you scene. It happens in Midnight Horizon, which is my favorite scene. Yeah, well, not just Yoda, but Reef. Remember, he just like, well, I got to go protect the people. And he jumps oh, yeah. the sky and he lands between the army of Nile and like the army of, you know, people. And he just kind of like brushes off his shoulder. He doesn't, but that's how I see it. He's just like, you know, like Luke, like, whoop, whoop. now let's get to work. And now we have Porter Engel crashes a ship into you know another ship and just leaps off and lands it's like oh, you want to dance you know he literally says one more dance and it's like okay this is cool but of course while general vise may be great and can stand against porter angle she can't stand against both of them so she runs away like a coward they chase her into the sky they try to capture her ship um to try to get to uh one of their generals uh Shrike, which I don't know how to pronounce in the book, who works yeah, for yeah, it's Shrike. Okay, who works for Beast? They get on her ship, type of thing, um, because they want her path guide, pretty much. So yeah, it's full Shrike. Okay, yeah, they they capture Avar and Porter capture a ship. They fly towards General Shrike, and they just jump through space to get through the airlock. They're like, listen, there's no other way on the ship unless we jump through open space, get in through the airlock. And board the ship. And that's what her and Porter and Ava do. And Avar do. I'm like, man, that's pretty awesome. 
though. I thought that was a cool scene, even though Avar almost dies holding her breath or whatever it is. But yeah, when I when I was hearing that that chapter, I was totally not thinking that they were in space, like they were still in planet. But no, they when she gets trapped in the airlock because the door jams and she's like turning into ice, you know. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're in space. <laughs> yeah, because they escaped, and it was the other plan that they're like, listen, let's take this other Nile ship, ram Shrike ship, jump on Shrike ship, and take the path engine. So, um, and they do that. I, I did like the guy that was with Avar. The um, they kept saying the pilot. I, have, I have spoken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, B- Balin, something like that. Belin, Belin, Belin. Yeah, yeah, the Ugnat. So. Yeah. He he had a good character too because he's just like, oh, you Jedi, you're all the same. You don't care about this. And then by the end, he's like, I'm willing to stay behind and sacrifice myself. He's like, she's my friend. I'm going where she's going. <laughs> yeah. Well, he stays behind yeah. uh, to be like, listen, I'm gonna stay here and help. You convinced me to help people, Avar Chris. And I'm like, yeah, that's what the Jedi do. They inspire people. So yeah, he I, thought, was, I thought he was a good character. Yeah, he was fun. So and even she wanted fine. to stay back too. Rail was like, "I'm gonna stay here. I can do good. I can. I know the communications. I can send messages to the people that are trapped in here." And you know, yeah. So they stayed around just to kind of do their good thing. It was like, okay, that's what the Jedi do. They uh, convince people to kind of stay be not to stay behind, but they give them hope and they realize there's more to the fight. So they're on Shrike ship, and they're trying to overcome it. General V shows up. And Porter's like, okay, it's time to finish this. So he takes a drill ship from phase two, you know, that's just used yeah. <laughs> for bringing it to the Earth. He flies it into space in a ram Visa's ship and has a big fight with Visa. It's a pretty dramatic scene type of thing. And I loved how the book was written because the chapters were long at the beginning. But at the end, these chapters were like a page and a half. So you could feel like the story really picked up and moved faster and faster. And for the comic book fans, this always reminds me of the death of Superman, where they designed the comic over the course of it, where every page is like eight panels. Well, three issues before the end, it's six panels. Two issues before the end, um, it's, you know, double panels per page. And then the last issue, the death of Superman, Every single page is a full page spread telling this story. And that's how this book felt. Each chapter got shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And so the story was moving so fast, like it was jumping all over. And you're like, man, like this is like getting really antsy type of thing. Um, and eventually it comes down to where Avar is able to escape because Porter launches off the ship, leaves her behind to kind of jump through the storm wall. Avar trusts into the Force, and she just, while her droid KC is rewiring it with the new signal from uh, the EX droid that Porter created to get through the storm wall. And Porter stays behind, and we don't know what happened to him. We don't have him. He's, he's still alive. Yeah, maybe not. Because right, uh, Vise, like, uh, ran away. She didn't even show her dying either. So yeah. the ship was falling, Visa's ship was falling apart, and it's said later in the book that rose uh rose sent the party they found the ship but they didn't yeah, find there's Vise nobody or yeah Vise or porter so it's like well i don't know what's happened with these people now but they're obviously oh. still alive, so more story to tell on that did you find it odd that avar was like she was cut off the whole time with the music thing because that she sees the force as a song but then like it came back to her when she was on the ship but then she kind of blacks out 
and the force like takes over her hands and she's able to reconstruct the the ship to get through the hyperspace. Remember, KC is the one that's rewiring everything. I thought no, in the audiobook it sounded like it was her, like she was doing it. And he's like, "Oh, good, you did it." And he tells her, like, yeah. there, he was working on something too, but then she was also working on other, like pushing buttons and doing all this other stuff. Well, yeah, because he was re- he was trying to program it, the code to get through, and they're like, "Okay, we got it." And she punches it, and then it pulls them out, like it dies too fast. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where it's like. Okay, Casey's like, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And Avar like closes her eyes and she just lets the force guide her and she knows the exact moment that I guess they find the right pattern of code and she just punches it and takes off. But I did see an earlier conversation before I finished the book, so I didn't get to look through the conversation that she was inside the storm wall and she wasn't it's not that she was cut off from the force, it's that she was so disheartened. She yeah. wasn't following it. You know, same with Elzar. It's he sees it in waves and he was seeing a, an endless bottomless sea of storm that he couldn't get out of instead of a calm pond or something that he sees in rising storm or in, yeah, in a fallen star when he, he kind of heals himself and gets control of his emotions. Avar is so not desperate where Elzar is desperate. Avar is lost. You know, I don't know what to do. I'm not connected with the force, you know, type of thing. It's just, but then once she starts to have a mission and she wants to save people and she has a reason to go, the storm, you know, her song swells up in her. Well, she's she's just lost, but Elzar just gets angry. You know, like, he's like fully, he's going to, I think he's going to turn fully somehow. It's, it's not looking it's, good. So. No. When he's on the yeah. ship and then the, everything goes wrong, he starts yelling at everybody and then they're like, are you okay? <laughs> you know? Yeah, he yells at the scientist, Kevin Tarr. It's like, yeah. why haven't you found anything yet? And he's like, dude, I'm, I'm working as hard as I can. He should have said, what are you doing? What are you going to do, stab it with your lightsaber? Jerk. You know, <laughs> but like, he, that's the character. They're getting upset. Um, and it ends with Rose saying, like, that was my plan all along type of thing. Where it's like, I just wanted to throw it in their face. And then it goes to, you know, Avar and Elzar are now reunited you know they, they can't show emotion you know they're not running up to each other hugging you know that's just that the jedi thing but it avar thinks to herself she is home not with the jedi but she is home with elzar and it ends with them like brushing hands you know yeah. kind of like touching fingers like they're in seventh grade <laughs> yeah like they touch fingers as the story close out and again that's a very big thing where you can't have relationships you know, meaningful attachment relationships and the Jedi and well, this could mean something for the future where they get more strict on it. Uh, yeah, Who knows where the story is going, but I thought it was like a, a powerful ending. And as I mentioned, my overall thought of Eye of Darkness is that I feel about it like how I do about The Force Awakens, the movie The Force Awakens. It's a great setup. It didn't give me a lot. It gave me a lot of background. It gave me good characters. It gave you general ideas where the story is going. There was nothing groundbreaking, I think, in Iron Darkness. I think it was just a good setup, solid story that really makes me more excited for the rest of this era. Where I felt like Phase Two did not do that. The adult books did not. They were great individual Star Wars books, but they did not make me excited for the next book in that story. Like I said, Convergence and Cataclysm brought a tear to my eye not gonna lie 
they were a great Star Wars story, but they didn't want they didn't push me to want to know more about the High Republic era. Where this book is like, man, what is Rose plan? What is the nameless doing? What is, you know, what will the Republic do to get through the wall? Because the wall's still standing. Like, yeah. Well, and then the, they begin. they kept saying that like he's expanding the wall and Yoda's like, yeah, but he's not gonna be able to like police all those planets like he's gonna it kept reminding me of like the leia line where she's like the more you squeeze your you know fist the more plants slip through your fingers kind of thing and that's pretty much what's getting set up is like they don't have even the nile are like different than they were in phase one like they're not as like crazy and just wanted destruction they they like now want like they enjoy the spoils that's what it said in the in the book yeah because it's also kind of teased like when gero walks away at the end from roe yeah I'm... she was like had his back to him and then he walks in and she didn't turn around she's like i don't care <laughs> like i'm showing him my back <laughs> yeah and then but another random nile member comes up to gira at the end as she's walking away and she's like you know your beliefs of being a legitimate <laughs> i guess organization yeah. doesn't fall on death ears so yoda might be right that there's a schism forming inside the nile and i don't want to see the nile end with self-destruction even though that's kind of what yoda's saying they're like they're getting too big but you also can't just wait for them to fall apart well they but, they always kill each other and like oh they're they're fighting over the ship like they're always like sabotaging each other and having death matches and yeah that one walks up there and she's like whatever you're saying like there's people out there that feel the same way you do because yeah. Martian has, like, no plan, like, for anybody. He doesn't care, like, if they all die. He just wants the Jedi to die. Yeah, so it's, it, I'm wondering, again, that's where it's the Force Awakens. It makes me wonder what's coming next. What's the storm wall still up? Will the Nile be able to survive itself? Is Marky and Roe, you know, he has the Shi'ar guards and everything. We have Why didn't name- he give the nameless to the Jedi hunters? I had no idea. <laughs> like, go hunt the Jedi. Don't take these with you. Yeah, he keeps. Oh, there's this also interesting, and it's a back to back chapter, so I caught the connection. But it talks about Marky on Row. He always has like two nameless with him. You know, he has the leveler and like another one. So he has two nameless next to him. And then it jumped to Lena So and her two uh, yeah. lions that she keeps next to her. And I'm like, oh, that's a good opposite look at the two characters, you know, where she's kind of ruling the Republic. And she has these two giant lions next to her at all times. And then Mark and Roe has these two hideous, nameless creatures and the Shi'ar around him the whole time. So now in my head, I'm like, okay, I want them to do battle. A nameless versus this giant lion thing, man, because <laughs> I want to see these guys in action. So and they're not affected by the force. So it'd just be a straight up beast battle. And I'm like, yeah, and that's that's the type of threads that my mind is connecting. And it's. I hope to see it, but you never know with Star Wars because the stories can go a thousand different ways, but they're only going to tell one thread, and that might be a story for another time. So I think overall, I did enjoy it. It was uh, George Mann, right? Wrote some. Yeah, but it was just like a good, it was a good setup for where we're at. Like I said, they gave you the history, kind of what was going on. Shadows of Starlight fills in a lot, which we'll cover at a later time, Um, but it's a good solid read that sets up and I'm just like, oh my god, I want to know about uh, Lena So's son. It teased about that. Like, what's their adventures? It talks about uh, uh, Reith Silas looking for the information. You know, him and that group of people are looking for the background information 
for the nameless. So, you know, whenever their book comes out with Reef as the lead, uh, that we're going to learn more about the Nile because he's literally doing studies on them and digging through all sorts of old texts to try to find something. What's Aslan Rell going to do? So, this book is. <laughs> well, she was in that Stories of Light and Life. She was in that um, Tales of Light and Life, which was a great, probably my favorite story in there. But she has a huge story to tell. There's so much I want to read now in phase three. And Eye of Darkness did a great job of kind of directing you of where it's going to go in the in the young adult and the middle grade books. And it just makes me very excited. So I think it's a good, solid start. Nothing big and huge and groundbreaking, but just one of those good, comfortable books where you're like, okay, cool. You built the galaxy and you set it up for great sequels. So let's let's just enjoy those sequels. So. I'm hyped for phase three. Yeah, I agree. I think it was a, a, a very good start, starting point for phase three. Get us back to remembering where everything is, where everything's developed since we were last there. Keeping it rather sim- simpler with, you know, not uh, 101 um, characters in, in, in the same book, which, uh, which, which helped, which always helps to uh, uh, set the scene on up more and keep us, keep us on, um, focused on what's going on. Um, so it, yeah, it was a, a, a slim, simpler sort of plot and uh, told us everything we need to know. And I think some people were disappointed because they thought, well, you know, the, in the end, nothing really massive happened. But then you, you got, you can't just, you got to set a scene at the start of the phase. Um, and, and so I wasn't disappointed at all with it, but I think some people expect things to move along a bit forward a bit more, but, uh, I was quite, uh, I was quite pleased with it. I think you, know, you couldn't have a big win for the uh, Republic or Jedi in the first book. You know, but it's a little long phase, um, well, at least a year, isn't it? I think. Um, it, for me, but, it started. It started off like really depressing, and then by the end, I was like yeah. smiling, hearing like Avar returning, and everyone's looking at her like, "Oh, she's back." You know. Yeah, yeah I had a sort of like a virtual fist pump. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. like a small win there, sort of thing at, at the end. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't uh, I wasn't too disappointed by this book. I thought it did it did, did what it needed to do. Start us off on phase on on phase three. We know what's going on, and there's a lot of uh, a lot more to come. But you know, you're not going to have like um, the Jedi having the answers for the name is right away because or something like that because that would just be well end the story really. And they figured out nameless in the first book. Um, that's pretty much opened the door for them to uh, start winning. But um, I still want yeah. that information, so don't keep teasing. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Like, there was a lot of yeah. Well, I think we I think we do, we've got so long between books and stuff. We've got a lot of time to think about it, and we don't uh, we, uh, we don't always um, uh, understand what's going on in the in the actual hmm, plot um, and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little bit frustrated with the uh, um, I've got his name already, Aslan. In terms of that, he seems to gibber a lot of rubbish, and I'm really not sure what he just thinks is. He's you know, he's got, he's had plenty of time to say you know to say everything that he 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 knows by now, and yet he's still going on talking. Um, seems to have uh, um, you know, dark side riddle riddles like um, like Yoda. That's probably why Yoda loves him, perhaps because he just talks gibberish and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you're kind of like, well, come on, man, dude. If you if you've got something to say, you know, Yoda must know that he's got something. He's not just a um, big nut job. Uh, well, he's a bit of a nut job, but I mean, he must. There must be someone that we just don't know. Yeah, he's um, got some kind of information to be helpful. Yeah. Yes. So I'm, I'm being patient 
but don't jerk me around forever here, High Republic. Like, it, it will probably be phase two because then you got to set up all, you know, you have the setup, you have the reveal, mm -hmm. you have the big battle. So I, I'm now coming to realize that the young adult, the middle grade books may be more of setups also. So I have to tamper my expectations. But I also want some answers, man. Like, I, I'm ready. And that's, that's exciting. I just got to say it's exciting. Exactly. We don't want to take down the Nihil in one book. So, you know, it makes sense that, you know, the last wave is going to be the big, the big attack on the, uh, on taking down the Nihil. And, you know, and, and this is, yeah. First I was looking at the clock when I was, when I was um, listening and it's like, there's an hour left and like Marshawn is still like sitting there. I'm like, okay, they're not going to attack him in this book. I guess. No. <laughs> nope. Now he got away. So the next, the next, I guess the last two books are wave one of phase three. The next one is, January 30th, the middle grade book, Escape from Valor, which is apparently the only character that I see and mentioned was Ram, which could have Reef in it and a bunch of others. But apparently they're on Valor, trapped around oh. the inclusion zone. So they might have, remember, Ram, I think, is from Valor. Yeah. Not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So, right. Um... So he kind of visits there. So that book, the middle grade book, is just about them trying to get away. And Defy the Storm, the young adult book, the final book for Wave 1, is March 5th. So we go from January 30th to March 5th, so we got a little bit of time. And that one is, with surprisingly, I thought it was going to be with, like, Wreath in them, Wreath Silas, but it's uh, Vernestra Rowe and Avon Staros. You know, Gira Staros, is, that's a, another arc in the story. Gira, who works with Markion, is like, Oh, my daughter hates me because I'm dating this hot Biden terrorist. But why does my daughter not like me anymore? So Did now she we die? Have... Avon? Yeah, I thought no, Avon died. Girlfriend died, didn't she? Who's was the one that Elzar killed then? Oh no, that was uh I'll have to look back, but it it wasn't Avon. It was a Nile it was a Nile person. Because they were the ones that originally kind of destroyed everything. And then she's like, yo, we screwed up. We gotta fix this. I thought that was a Staros too. Hmm. Sorry, I thought that was a Staros. Yeah, I think so, but it wasn't. It was an older Staros, though. It wasn't a uh, younger one. Hmm. Um, yeah, um, I've got it now. But yeah, uh, I'm surprised that uh, Vernestra is being promoted. She's been in the young one adult book before, but mainly she's been the driving force in the middle grade. But she's being promoted to like the young adult book. I'm like, yeah, because. She's got a big story with her, so I'm excited to kind of read that. And then Vern's uh, Padawan died, right? What's his name? Um, he in the in Tales of Light and Life, she said, they and I had no died. idea that uh, he dies. I'm like, oh, I had no idea. Was it? It's Chancy Yarrow, isn't it? Isn't that the one that gets cut in half? Oh, maybe that it was Chancy Yarrow. I'm getting Gear Staros and Yarrow, maybe mixed up. That's right. So. Yeah, but I think she had like another kid, or but Chancy was somebody too. I don't know her future. I told but... my daughter that they killed uh, what's his name, her um, her Padawan yeah, off think... screen, and like she's like, what? Because <laughs> oh, she was really into the the burn in her Padawan. The, yeah, the... so I was totally shocked. I had to go back through my notes because I'm like, wait, what do you mean he died in the Battle of Starlight? Like it wasn't in the comics or nothing. It's just like, oh, that character's boring. Let's just say he's dead. We got other stuff uh -huh. to worry about. Like, dang. Now it's Chauncey Yarrow who yeah, helped in Starlight. But they, they aren't, they aren't yeah. they the rivals of the Staros? 
The Yarrows, the Rybles Is it them or is it somebody else? Who's the Rybles? No, it's the Graf. The Graf. The Graf. Graf's in it. Oh, they, uh... No, it's the Graf's versus the Santecas. Oh, yeah, that was the big one. Uh, something like that, isn't it? I know they've got rival and stuff, but... Uh... Yeah. Uh, her child was Sylvester Yarrow, which again was in the middle grade book, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So more, more crossovers. So yeah, it's I'm I'm excited to see Ram again. Him and Reese became some of my favorite characters. Super hyped to see more of Venestra because with her appearance in the Acolyte, I need to find out everything that she's doing now to bear the character for the Acolyte. So uh, she's going to be a big money character. <laughs> they got to have plans for her if she's appearing in live yeah. action. We know she doesn't die in these books. <laughs> or does she? She might be a John Snow thing, yeah. Die and come back. She gets a big scratch in her head, but yeah, who knows? Mm. Which could be from the nameless. I don't know. Yeah, that's it's her announcement changed everything about the High Republic. So mm. uh, I'm I'm excited to see what her big mystery is of traveling to the edge of the galaxy doing something because she got secret coordinates. I'm like, okay, cool. I want to know about that adventure. That's great being a Star Wars fan because it's like, okay, tell me about that story. You know, I'm ready for the next Star Wars story. Hmm. So, yeah, so it's looking all looking good. Do we have a, um, speaking of books, I know we had the book list for the year to come. Is there, is there something like after, is there something planned for like after Shadows of the Sith? Is there another book to come like after that in the timeline? No, definitely not. So the books for 24 is, uh, there's not a lot of them. It's a Mace Windu one, right? They're almost all High Republic. So as I mentioned, January 30th, March 5th were the two High Republic books. There's, then April 9th is The Living Force, which is the story Mm. of the Jedi Council before episode one. So the entire council goes to investigate something and like gets trapped there and gets attacked and they have to get out of it. Uh, so who knows if one dies and they get replaced. You can just do the math on the characters, I'm sure. But to see all that, you get to actually see a, an in-depth look at every member of the Jedi Council during just before episode one, which will include Yaddle. So I think I think that one sounds really interesting for all the prequel fans. Mm. Then there's High Republic Temptation of the Force is June 11th, the next adult book. High Republic Beware the Nameless, uh, July 3rd, 23rd. August 6th is the Mace Window book that I mentioned, The Glass Abyss. Uh, and this is just after following the death of Qui-Gon Jinn. He apparently sends a, if I die message, then do this and go here and protect these people. So, again, more prequel trilogy stories. Uh, what Qui-Gon Jinn kind of did off screen and whatever Mace Window is going to do to tell these people to get off the plane and you know take care of yourself. I, just, I don't know. We'll see what Mace does, but I'm Team Mace. I'm always hashtag Mace was right. Anakin was a horrible person. So He's I'm like, always... Stay away from the windows. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we've got September 3rd is High Republic Tears of the Main List. And then everything else, there's nothing listed after that. Of course, they could announce mm-hmm. something that's in the works, but those are the main ones. A lot of High Republic books and two prequel era books uh, that discover, you know, previously totally untold stuff. So I'm like, okay, great, man. Lots, lots of Jedi coming this year. 
And then I, I posted that thing, Ryan, uh, with the original author. Who did the the first um, Light, Light of the Jedi? What's his name? Uh, Soul? Charles Soul. Oh. Yeah. yeah, he's, I guess, Trials of the Jedi is the last book. For the uh, space. Trials of the Jedi is the final adult book. Yeah. But so the he, last... he said he just finished it. So he's out. Like, Ooh, okay, cool. Yeah. That's spring 2025. Yeah. Um, which actually they have all three books for phase three, wave three listed for spring 2025, which is kind of weird. Uh, they might spread that out. But it's Trials of the Jedi, A Valiant Vowel for the middle grade, and Into the Light, uh, also by Claudia Gray. Uh, who knows which one's going to be last or whatever, but we got Charles Soule, Claudia Gray, and Justina Ireland writing the last three books. Psh, count me in, man. Like, this is a, I've been waiting for Charles Soule to come back. Excellent. Okay. All right. We're at with the High Republic. All right, Ron's. Ron's, Ron's this- uh, had a little nap and a cup of tea and uh... not at all not at all this phase three do we know how is it projected is it out there do we know how long it is or we just know we're in phase three and when it ends is is when it ends like like do we know it what the content of five yeah but do you know it phase three do we know it's four books and two comic series or has that been described published or otherwise out there or we just know we're in phase three and all the stuff we get now is is phase three stuff yeah, they kind of announced that phase three is three waves, each containing an adult, a middle grade, and a young adult book. So, I mean, technically it's three books, but if you read okay. all three, it's nine books. Nine, okay. Wave one, but no, nothing two, comic related? Oh, loaded. There's a ton of comic stuff. I can't okay, even... right. I thought the comic sort of backfilled little things and stuff. So cool. A lot of content coming in the print format. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch for 2025. Only a couple screens, excuse me, for 2024. Only a couple screen things. They said Acolyte um, and Skeleton Crew are the big ones coming to the screen. So, um, you know, some nice tidbits. We've had longer dry spells, so I've heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I won't complain too much about going from thing to thing. Just make me some good movies, man. And I'm ready, willing, and going to be happy when it comes. So... Uh, I'm I'm getting older though, so let's 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 wrap it up, baby. Yes, absolutely. Yes, we're <laughs> as we get older, you kind of think, oh, am I going to be here at the end of this? No, because I know we're far too we're far too young to be worrying about that now. But uh, I remember there's a joke that I heard somewhere about that uh, an old lady, whenever she goes um, to the supermarket, she always buys ripe bananas because she doesn't want to buy them. <laughs> she doesn't want to. She doesn't know if she's going to still be there. They're not ripe. Um, she doesn't <laughs> wait for them to ripen. Um, so never buy never buy green bananas if you're old. Um, <laughs> we're all in a prime. We're all in the prime of our life here. And uh, well, if you're yeah. an optimist, an old optimist, you can buy a green banana. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Some people, it at my funeral. <laughs> some people like them green. Um, oh. There are some weird people out there. Um, <laughs> well, it tastes like a rice cake, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's green. Yes. Ryan, I thought of you. Uh, New Hope was on TV last night. And while I've seen a New Hope 500 times, I don't know if I've truly watched A New Hope. Like, like you know, like truly watch it and look at it and, and, and see it for what it is. It is dated. <laughs> um, it is, it is, 
really? It is, it is, Which version were you watching? It was the, um, and I was surprised at that too. It was on TNT that whatever, I'd love to know whatever that licensing deal is with TNT or TBS that allows them to still show those movies while it's on Disney. You know, they wrote something into, well, I just would love to get some backstory onto that. But it was the hand shot, um, hand shot first version, which I was surprised right. at because I would have thought they would have correct what? it would have said here you 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 got to do this one now uh you know this this is, was it the thought, mcclunky version no what? there was no mcclunky in it that's what i was that was coming up and i'm like oh you know what i don't know if i know any of the other nuances but i know mcclunky's in there that i'll notice that right away and i noticed the bullet firing or the laser fires because that's how you can tell it's the the Hanver. but yeah, then McClunky. It's not even. It's not even the the newest or latest finalist or whatever you want to say because there was no McClunky in it, and I thought that was interesting. But there was a scene, and I, I I've known about these things. But there was a scene in there. Um, the guy that comes in, and and I think he says, "What does he say? We we've gotten to Dantooine, and there's nothing there, or whatever." And and she lied, and I told you she would never tell the truth, or whatever. And that scene keeps going on because Vader is gesturing with his hands. Like there's more dialogue that was shot and you know and 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 all that. But when you watch the scene, Vader is still talking, if you will. But the the dialogue oh, wow. that you hear is cut off. Um, they were just you, you could really you could really mystery science theater three thousand a new hope from a nitpicky standpoint, which is kind of what gets me incensed all the time when people nitpick sequel trilogy or prequel trilogy, or just when they nitpick anything else, but yet they'll hold up a new hope with a high reverence for anything and everything. It's like, <laughs> we, you guys, rose-colored glass, or, you know, if you're going to give that one a pass for, well, then I'll see you when hell freezes over, or um, what's my, uh, uh, flying through hyperspace ain't like dusting crops, boy. You know, if you're going to overlook that stuff, well, okay, let's overlook the other things people have problems with. But yeah, it was, it, it was a it was a rare rare uh, watching of it versus just seeing it last night to some of the stuff that's just like yeah it could use a good good bit of tweaking here yeah some polish and that's what George because they got to think it's it was kind of like his first I don't want to say first big movie but it was like an all or nothing movie like this was going to make or break him and he didn't have the backing of the studio you know all that stuff they were like really careful yeah. of it side changing uh, all sorts of stuff. So it's they just didn't have the budget as they did during the prequels. Right. So. You could see as a filmmaker, as an artist who sees that now, knowing what he can do and, and, and just being cringy, not happy with his work, so to speak, you know, being just a bit cringy about, oh, I'd love to. Well, I want to go polish this. I want to go polish that. I want to go fix this. I want to go fix, you know, just all those little. And, and as an artist, uh, you, you know all the little things that, that are, but to anybody else, they're just enjoying it for what it is kind of thing. But yeah, somebody that lived with it, breathed it all the time, you know all the little fault, you know where all the little niggles are, the little faults are, the little things that just make you, make you cringe wince. But what was the other thing I saw? Something in there. And the technology wasn't there. I mean, he shot scenes for Jabba, so he had some sort of idea that he wanted to use his character. But then he's like, he wanted a giant slug man. So, and he totally changed everything. Yeah, couldn't figure it out. Yeah, no, there, there, there's definitely um, an aspect of um, projection of, of relativity that, yeah, you have to, you almost have to watch A New Hope 
with an understanding of it was 1977, 50 years ago. You know, just the, the, this was all groundbreaking. And when you compare it to today's modern films and all the gee whiz imagery that you can see in, in these days in these films and Spider-Man and and Witch and Wardrobe and, and, and Rogue or no, Rebel Moon and just all the stuff that's out there these days or whatever. Yeah, it, it, in contrast and compare, it is, it is definitely hurting. I rewatched Rogue, or not Rogue One, but I rewatched Solo, and uh, it was fantastic. Like, you did Solo on the New Year's Day rewatch too? Uh, I did half of it on New Year's Day in the second oh, half. Still. I, paid, I, I threw that out there, whatever. So we bump up the numbers by the 10 of us that did it. But yeah, no, yeah. I, I, so I'm sorry. What are you going to say about Solo? It was just, and I always enjoyed it. It's always a movie that I stuck up for. I think it didn't deserve all the negativity. But even when I watched it, I just stared at it. I'm like, this is an almost perfect Star Wars film. I can't find right? any problems because it has everything that fans nowadays want. It has backstory of how Han and Chewie met, how Han got as much as I want, you know, Han's last name, how Han went through the Imperial Academy, how Han met Lando. It has even the pronunciation of where the actors just didn't know how to pronounce Han and Han. It gave a backstory to how Han and Han is pronounced. It addressed, you know, yeah. It, 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 yeah. It, it, Sabak and Sabak. Because he doesn't call him Han until he's just like, what is this, Sabak? And he's like, Sabak, Han. And that's a backstory to why Lando pronounces his name differently. I mean, it, it has backstory. It has funny characters. It has amazing flight scenes. It has fight scenes. It introduces new characters. You know, it has a twist at the end. And then yeah, it, has it has a, a twist, character. right? Yeah. I mean, that where it's, it, it calls back to Han shooting first when he just yeah, I don't. I mean, that, that, that's just the nature of, of, of a, a small subset of fandom that's, uh, as I've said, is vocal. You know, the Internet's, uh, what is it, the hashtag the Internet's a megaphone of negativity because it's a small – that people were upset about the, oh, they put that in there just to address the Han shot first. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, awesome. How about thumbs up for that versus, uh, oh, that's just in there because of the blah, blah, blah. It's like – you can't win for losing almost as a creative. I agree that I, I, I've always enjoyed solo and always stood up for it. Cause it's a, it's a fun star Wars movie. It's a fun star Wars story with our characters yeah. and, and our, and our, and our ships and the things we like to see. And, and then we know, and then introduce new stuff. Yeah. I, I've always enjoyed watching solo uh, on a rewatch. And the twist. And George Lucas has a valid criticism of his own work where he's like, you know what? I don't want Han Solo, who's going to, you know, he as he started planning the trilogy out, you know, after the first movie, he's like, okay, I made money. I can start making more movies. He's like, I don't want my hero to be someone who shoots for no reason. So it's so that's why he changed that scene that everybody complains about is because he wanted Han to be reactive because he knew he was going to turn into a leader and not just some scoundrel who shoots people. But as a younger Han Solo, you could have him shoot first without asking questions and say, I learned my lesson type of thing. And it makes perfect sense. I mean, as filmmaking, it makes 100% perfect sense. George Lucas didn't like his original work. He thought there was more for the character because the story wasn't written. I mean, we all know that Luke kissed his sister because the story wasn't written. Same with Han. The story wasn't written, and he didn't want him to see, well, I'm just going to shoot without asking questions. And he changed it. And it's people I want thought, George Lucas work. So don't complain that when he does work. 
<clears throat> I thought the original, I need to go find, I have the originals. Well, I have the originals, like six ways to Sunday, whatever. But I thought the original, you can't tell a thing in it. And it's just, how did he come out? And and, and, and the story was that, that two guys were in a, in a booth with an altercation, shots were fired, and hand walked away. Was was sort of an explanation back in the back in the day of, of, of what transpired there in A New Hope. But then, yeah, George kept getting clarification on, or kept getting asked about it, and, and, and you know, over and over, you know, how how did Han notice? You know, how did he know? Blah, blah whatever questions are being asked. That yeah, somewhere in one of the revisions, or I guess it was the the ones there in the late '90s before the uh, prequel trilogy comes out. That's where he adjusted it to where there's you can actually see laser bolts and Han's head moving sideways and 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 uh, to Han shot first type of silliness or whatever that that was all of that dust up. It just I don't know. I didn't think there was any problem with the original in terms of the that explanation sort of. To me, it was never really a thing. I guess it's when he changed it. That's when it became a thing for fans, right? That he put it in there that Han, sh- or he put it in there that Greedo shot first, but Han moved his head or Greedo missed. And Han shot, you know, a half a millisecond later. But yeah. we were all up in arms and put out the T-shirts that no, 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 no. Han shot first and, and hit Greedo and that made him miss his shot type of thing. I don't know. I just always subscribed to the theory and explained it to my kid, all that sort of thing that it was just. Two guys were in a booth. There was a dust up. Shots were fired, and Han walked away. The you know, alive. <laughs> but yeah. like I say, the movie gets success. He gets the ability to to shape that and answer and right and right have a. He wants to have some story to his a character that's now becoming beloved and and didn't want him to be that didn't want kids to see him as that type of character shooting just shooting for no reason type of thing. He needed to to save his life. Yeah, I, yeah. So I definitely agree. It's he wanted to change some of his, and that's the thing that kind of makes me mad. Is nowadays people cry that they want George Lucas's story, but then they shat all over his story. You know, <laughs> right? Is that he made uh, as he grew as a filmmaker, and he realized this universe is going to be bigger than anything he can contain, um, and he started to change it to fit the characters for the future. They're like, no, we don't accept that. And it's like, well, it's my work. <laughs> you're yeah. it's like and then the prequel trilogy people hated on for the longest time and now they you know now those kids grew up and they're like 30 year olds and they're like it was amazing i don't know what you're talking about so but yeah it's it's just sad the state of everything being negative and now all this drama with the director the new director i don't know you've seen that of the ray movie oh sure sure yeah people are misquoting her like crazy just to spread negativity so they're bringing up quotes from eight years ago. I saw it on Reddit just the other day. It was like a quote from eight years ago. And the person literally said, well, she's just making Star Wars movies to upset men. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You took a quote from 2015, dude. You know, you can't do that and say this is why she's making a Star Wars movie. You know, it's it's utterly, it almost feel like it needs addressed, you know, as part of the news. Because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I know we're just like a small time podcast, but it's misinformation. They, their people are straight up lying and twisting, or they're only reading the titles of you know that's oh, how sure. things usually go. The clickbait Click, title, yeah, the clickbait headline. Somebody be. sent me, somebody sent me this clip. A good friend of mine sent me that clip uh, where she talks about she likes to make men uncomfortable. I didn't realize how far ago that was, or whatever. But it has. I just put it in the chat for to, for clarification sake or whatever. But yeah, it's. If 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 that's her mindset, if that you know, what is it I say that that 
if she's a creative and has a Star Wars story to tell and, and has a good Star Wars story to tell, then tell it. If she's a creative with an agenda and wants to use Star Wars in order to push the agenda, then I'm not so keen on, you know, that being the reason to tell. But she's obviously a good filmmaker. She's made good films, won, won awards for it or whatever. But, right. Yeah. What, what's, the, what's the higher reason or what's, you know, what's the reasoning behind it? Because of because of that, a good director, I don't care, male, female, black, blue, whatever. But, yeah, it's it's if when the agenda stuff starts to get into the play, then it's a concern of, wait, no, that's not what Star Wars is not that vehicle. Anything else? Yes. But Star Wars is so flipping universal and so uh, agreeable open i mean you know antagonist or a, a female lead powerful female female character in 77 was on her you know come on it just yeah he's definitely one of the first so i mean yeah and then just, um yeah let me think it's and, and she was happy to finally have like a female director for a movie and that's what she was happy about and people are like tearing her down for it it's just like you know she's happy to be in that position just like you know they're happy yeah her quote yeah her quote on that well i don't know what i won't be able to say it to actually but her quote on that was she was trying to say she was happy to have a female be in that position but the quote comes across like she's uninformed at the sheer number of females that have been involved in shaping what we know is the star wars story over all these years and and i think people twisted it like that though yeah right what about leia it's like well leia's never directed a movie she's literally saying i'm happy to be a female director in a star wars movie yeah they they had them for streaming but it's still a big step there's a difference between an animation streaming and movies movies will always be big so people are just twisting it so bad and i'm just like i really don't if that's if she's just like hey i'm great to tell a strong female lead story i'm like yeah i don't care i'm here for star wars i don't care what like same as you and if they do have a story to push that's more modern and up to date then i'm like okay that's perfectly fine by me it doesn't the one, me. the one the thing store. I take umbrage with is 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 that female aspect of is is was the comments or the quotes or the 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 my read into them is like I want to tell as a female director I want to tell a, a female story because there hasn't one or because guys have been driving Star Wars all this time I'm super deluxe paraphrasing and you know encapsulating it but it's like yeah, yeah well, well while guys were driving it they weren't driving it and making a guy centric movie like she's trying to say now i'm driving i want to make a female centric movie and it's like well wait that wasn't the driving impetus for when the guys were making the movie they were just making a movie making a star wars movie guys were in the lead role but you know girls were in the lead role that careful you're walking a very thin line if you're trying to make a star wars movie and and you have that sort of agenda if you will to to make it female centric um kind of a la i haven't seen it yet but the what's the latest marvels whether it's it's all the all, right it's yeah. all late that is that was that what the story needed uh deserved and and warranted or was that a, a, well, yeah. a dash of wokeism trying you know throw sprinkled into that movie because of the times and that's that's what i really w- don't want to see in star wars obviously is 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 that kind of agendified sign of the times ish type of stuff it's so much more universal than that it deserves better people can put a label on it like that but it doesn't mean that's what it is i mean i watched i heavily follow all amaro watch all the streaming and the story made perfect sense i mean just because the villain was female and the three heroes were female doesn't mean that there wasn't a story 
and there was still a great story. It doesn't mean still it a good story. Through. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. I'm yeah. anxious to see it. So, right. If it's still a good story, well, then I don't care who's what. Right. That's not what matters. Yeah, and it wasn't. Can it be a story for like strong women? Yeah, that's what uh, Miss Marvel streaming show was. You know, it put. You know, it taught me something I never knew about that section of the populace. Like I never knew about all the. I didn't even want to try to mess up what it was about. But, you know, when they had all the big fleeing of the country after UK pulled out or something like that, you know, because they've been under oppression by the United Kingdom forever. Sorry, Stephen, whatever it was. But I don't want to slaughter what actually happened with the history because I'm not 100 percent. But I learned something from there. So I appreciate when companies bring in stories that I didn't know anything about, just like how um, what was it? I think what movie was it or TV show? But. Oh, uh, the Watchmen. When they had the streaming watchman, when they brought brought up uh, what's called Black Wall Street, whatever, like I can't remember the state it was in, I was like, oh, that's interesting. My wife's like, you know, that's real, right? And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, people stormed the city because it was run by successful black people, and they burned it to the ground. Like they set back generations of wealth and people, and then took the land and built houses on it. And I was like, what do you mean that's real? She's like, yeah, that actually happened. And I learned something from it. So. If it, you know, stars people of all sorts of different races and stuff and, you know, Native Americans like this recent Marvel What If story had a new Native American character. I learned all sorts of stuff and I love trying to learn more. I agree. I'm I, I'm all for it as well, but I'm going to be I'm, I'm going to be gatekeeping, I guess. Right. That I don't know that I want that in my in, in my Star Wars. I think other that's for other vehicles. That's for the Watchmen and the comics and the Marvels and the things that can be manipulated and shaped how many different batman origins do we you know what i mean that that other vehicles can can do exactly what you described in a way that yeah helps to educate us and make us find out and learn and realize things are real like that or whatever uh, but I, I don't want that in my star wars you know what i'm saying that that uh, i don't i think i don't think that that i i guess what i'm trying to say is i worry that she maybe not her specifically but others would be like oh if i could just get into star wars because it's so big and so popular and so pop culture, but I can really help to shape change or make somebody aware of black wall street type of mindset. You see what I'm saying? That, that that's what I would fear and, and don't want to see someone getting into being able to, to create a, or make a star Wars story so that they can then push their agenda, I guess, or, or push some sort of thing like, like that, that that's, that's where I, with a very broad stroke, want to paint that Star Wars is above that. That let that stuff be for other other they also, vehicles. They also can't do it like Marvel because it just doesn't exist. Those cultures don't exist, but they could tell stories of oppression. I mean, that's why Palpatine existed. Like we can't deny the fact that George Lucas made stories based off Hitler. I mean, he made stories based off you know the trade routes and stuff. That's all just like Middle Eastern politics. Like that's all it really it has deeper meanings and all that and george lucas was very forward thinking because he wanted luke to be female and theaters pushed against it but he still made an extremely powerful strong female lead and you know that those terms and labels of woke weren't around back then they just made a strong female character and it's like okay cool but if they do that today it's like okay we're just making a strong female character it's like well it's woke it's like no we're just making a strong character you know we wrote this I think that's how it went for Ridley and Alien. They wrote the character to be a guy and they said, oh, by the way, it's a female. Just keep everything the same. And they're just like, oh, yeah, OK, no problem. And Ridley oh. is one of, the best, one of the best female characters in history, if not the R best. 
Sorry. Really, there's some, coach me up on that. So there's some history to to the aliens was originally or thought of or crafted or, or the mindset was that it was going to be a lead, you know, an action hero guy type of character. And somewhere in there, it, it, it changed. Yeah, they just wrote him like a normal character. It's more like guy. And it's just like, well, it's a female character. And he's like, OK, well, I'm not changing anything. The character's a badass, whether it's a female or male. I'm not going to change anything. Same with when, the Marvel characters. They don't uh, they don't make Captain Marvel to be a, you know, a, a weak female that needs saved all the time. She's just like, yeah, I have powers and I'm strong and I don't like oppression. Yeah. It. Right. I never, never, never got that aspect of the, you know, the females weak and the, the males. No, they're just, that's the character that has the powers that it, it happens to be. But I guess that's coming from my male point of view that I never really noticed it because it's always been my male or the characters were always that male with the powers. Where's the females ones with power. And they were, they were, they were half or like a Catwoman. Well, no, what was Superwoman had? Yeah, just they created it to create it for the females. But like, to your point, uh, what I'm trying to say is that Alien thing, right? If Alien was written with Ridley and and the story and all that sort of stuff, and then at some point in time they say, well, okay, yeah, but that's a female character, and the director or whoever goes, okay, whatever, or it's a female, you know, actor. It was, well, I'm not changing anything. It's still the character. Well, then it's still the character. Exactly. Whether male, female, it's, it's still, that's the character and the actions they took. Uh, the female can be just as heroic and, and capable as the male can in that role. And in case in point of alien, you know, proved, proved very well. So, right. Alien. So what alien was not a vehicle written for, like in this day and age, wasn't written as a, a, a strong female character, movie role right you're saying that it was written and they just uh, somewhere they cast a female for it or somehow it'd be interesting to learn that bit of history because that's a when's aliens aliens is in the 80s right early late 80s i don't think i know when alien is oh whatever i was rambling on about oh aliens so yeah we get back to the star wars chat what we i think we kind of talked about what we're excited for in 2024 uh yeah, I guess we did kind of touch on that. I mean, we got Acolyte, we got uh, the Skeleton Crew, I think were the streaming ones. So, but here's it. Because I think some of these books you might even be interested in, Ron, because they're, they're not all, well, most of them are about High Republic. There is a couple gems in there that cover the prequel trilogy that you might be excited for. Well, I was excited for like, new Star like Wars content. <laughs> do you like books on like or no, I shouldn't say books, but do you like stories about like the prequel trilogy? Because I know you read Shadows of Sith, so I don't know if you like stories more about the original cast or if you're fine reading stories maybe about the prequels. Uh, mine was was I, I don't have the the time inclination and the uh, attention span to truly sit and read a book. Um, but I have done the audio books on content that has been suggested as, as very good or in depth. So yeah, if it's a good Star Wars story, I think if it, and, and I've said this before, whatever, and, and it all does now, so I should be gobbling up all these books, but, but if it counts, I never, I, I never really got into the EU because I understood the EU even a long, long time ago, George kind of said it, it caused, it doesn't count. It, it might count. It doesn't, it wasn't a full, it wasn't a, a truly grasped. This is how star Wars is going to go into books anymore. You know? So I would have a difficult time 
um, keeping them straight, I guess, or just wanted to know about the stuff that that counts. To me, Star Wars, I've said, is always what's on screen for for, for me. That's my Star Wars story. But have um, what uh, embell- uh, expanded that a little bit by taking in some of the books that, that are that are out there that do help, like that. Uh, book you guys uh, talked me into the most uh, the, the, um, what was it shadow of the sith what is it yep 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 Shadows of terrible the sith. to even know what it is so yeah if if if, if i hear more chatter around the even the high republic uh, to hear you guys talk about it they they do sound like interesting stories sounds like they're doing doing some interesting things in in a different timeline in a galaxy far far away not so long ago or even long longer ago however it works out so yeah um, I think it's good to discuss them. I like hearing about them so that I know about them my, personally. But then it, for the two that are listening, you know, just that it's out there to, about. I think our Shadows of the Sith um, episode is a good one for anyone that wants to know what that book is about. Because I thought we did a great job dissecting that story and 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 helping to, you know, do what a podcast should do in terms of, of reviewing Star Wars content and, and dissecting it and diving into the minutia of, of, of the story and the mysticism and the, the the how it affects our characters and how it changes just all that. I, I, that was one of our better episodes, I think, for the for going over that book. So, yeah, I enjoy it. Mu- it must have been good because it got you to read that book. So it must have been a good episode. <laughs> That and COVID, I think. If I recall, I was in a COVID bunker stuck. Yeah. Needed, needed something, whatever. But no, it, it wasn't just that. It was it was it was the chatter of you of you guys' uh, talk beforehand or whatever that that had me read or listen to that. And and the audiobooks. That's my big thing too for anybody that's hesitant about books. The audiobooks are so well done. They're not just I was naive that way. I've said that before, that they're not just someone reading what's on the page. They are produced. They are productions. They are effects. They are inflection in tone and voice and character voices. Good and bad. Uh, but but you know there's the they are not just the the written words spoken so that you don't have to read. They are they're productions, really, uh, and very, very, very well done because they got the Star Wars tag to them. Yeah. At least the ones I'm going to say that, like I've heard a lot. At least the ones I've all of three or four. I don't even think I'm up to double digits, so I don't know if I should be speaking to the quality. Of them, which guys say, always talk highly of them. Anything, just Google Mark Thompson with Mark with a C. Anything by him is so emotionally powerful. It's amazing and. That's one of my ultimate goals in this podcast is try to get someone like Mark Thompson on because I see small podcasts interview big time authors all the time. And I truly love his work. And it's so emotional, powerful in audiobooks. So you say that. So he 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 reads with emotion. You can you can hear it in his voice is what you're trying to say. Yeah, it's like a dra- I mean, it's a drama. I mean, it's amazing. And the book that you probably I don't know if Shadows of Starlight was read by excuse me, not Shadows. Uh, you read it anyway, but what your audiobooks are. But he's the main guy for all the Star Wars books now. It's almost all him for all the adult books, unless there's some things that are like back to back. But he's the main so, of the adult so, High Republic books. Would you say he's not necessarily an audiobook reader, but he's a voice actor because he's, you know, emoting uh, the, what's coming off the pages into, into what you're hearing sometimes? You know, I would say that, that he is a voice actor, because I've listened to audiobooks of, we're just celebrities or whatever, they just read the book, and it's like, you know, Morgan Freeman kind of reading through a book, and, and Jonathan said this, and, and Sarah said that, but when it's Mark Thompson, 
every character has their own inner thoughts, their own emotion, their own way they talk. Every voice is absolutely different and powerful. You can almost feel the emotion building up in these characters. Like I can, and again, I'm a visual reader, even in audiobooks, I have to see it in my mind. And right. I see the characters fight and struggle and like tear up and all this stuff. And I, I'm telling you, man, he is incredible. That you attribute that to right to his skill set to his 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 telling of, of what's going on that he's making that happen for you versus right just a just a a, a famous person's soothing voice or soothing comfortable recognizable voice telling you what's going on he's actually voice acting the part so that you can paint something in your mind that is awesome yeah I've I've read twenty seven books last year uh, eight of those were physical books I'm a slow reader it takes me about a month and a half so that figures out. So eight of those were physical books, and like one was manga, and the other eighteen were all audiobooks. So I listened to a lot of audiobooks, and I literally there was a point a couple months where I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna Google Mark Thompson's name, and I'm gonna listen to anything by Mark Thompson. I was literally <laughs> listening to a children's book about you know anamorphic cats and dogs not getting along, just to get a Mark Thompson fix, and it was still incredible because he brings emotion and maybe i'm just getting older i'm a family man now i got kids i don't know so all this stuff meets so it's, but it's just incredible man i mean it's a story about cats and dogs and i'm like oh, damn that was powerful dude it was so getting, good. O- getting older effects and right yeah it sounds like there's an appreciation for um that dude for him you know doing his craft doing what he does he does it well so there's an appreciation aspect to to it that you're seeking him out telling st- any and all stories yeah, he's really amazing. And if you find any Star Wars books by him, like you could, and I always push to use library because people can't afford, you know, mm-hmm. lots of time like stream services, you know, it's hard to get audio books. Maybe they don't want to do audible and stuff like that. Um, but libraries offer free audio books digitally. Like I use Hoopla and Cloud Library. Other people use like Libby to get Star Wars books to read digitally and to listen to an audiobook that you borrow for a week or two and you can get all you want there's a hundred of them man it's amazing so it's if you ever feel like you don't want to buy it because books are expensive i mean they're they're popping like 30 dollars a hit now so i'm reading less and less physical books unless it's high republic but i lean heavily on these libraries to just get content because you know that's a great way to read without having to spend a ton of money yeah like I said, free audiobooks of almost all new books. You can count me in, dude. I just download it. I listen to it while driving or doing whatever, and it makes me happy. I just looking up Mark Thompson. He is cast as a voice actor um, from New York. He's the same age as me, 48. Oh. And he's married to another voice actor. He's been in quite a few films as well. I did the one the Ninja Turtle films as well. Oh, I actually didn't know that. I don't look at a lot of his stuff. I mean, it, I didn't realize. I think he was in My Little Ponies too. I might be mistaken, but it's like a convention coming on. It's like Mark Thompson for My Little Ponies. I'm like, whoa, he's the, <laughs> he's the voice of Star Wars right now, man. So, like, let, let's focus on that. Is that not bringing fans in? Like, <laughs> no, no, I'm fine with a- My Little Ponies, but he's a Star Wars guy. He's definitely a Star Wars guy now, but he's done a lot of stuff, done anime stuff, video does video games as well. I'm glad he has a successful career because it's a it's a tough career yeah. to 
make a voice like that. Yeah, I think he's had a uh, BFA and, award. And honestly, well, lots of lots of just being a voice actor in animation, you don't get the time to express emotion and like really give your chops. Your character may only have a couple seconds on scene. You got to get in everything you got. But when you listen to a book read by a voice actor who can emote every character differently and build the story and the emotion, and it's just like, dang, this guy is amazing. So he's, he's by far and away just my favorite guy. To just li- Like I said, I'll just listen to I don't care what the story is. I'll just listen to it. Yeah, um, I like the way uh, Google does these things. You know, it, it comes up. People also ask, and they've got like, who voices who voices Peyton in in Chaotic? Mark Thompson. Who's the voice I of Thrawn, who's the voice of the Fawn audiobook? Mark Thompson. Who's the yeah. voice of Chaya? Mark Thompson. <laughs> and I, I'll be the first. I've said it multiple times on this podcast. Thrawn does not impress me. I'm not really that big of a fan of Thrawn. I don't have a problem with him. But Mark Thompson got me to listen to all three Thrawn books just because he's Mark Thompson. I was like, you know what? It's Mark Thompson. I'm trying to learn more about Thrawn. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. I've never given a character more leeway than Thrawn. You know, I watched Rebels because of Thrawn. I tried reading Air of the Empire because of Thrawn. I listened to all three of his books by Mark Thompson. So it's like, I'm, I'm giving Thrawn a lot of leeway here and, uh, Mark Thompson is what made me listen to all three of those books. And, uh, you know, it was really good. I got through them, so I'm glad to say I did get to listen to them. And it was because of him. I have not bothered with them thus far, but uh, we shall see see what goes on with uh, Fraun in the uh, in the current. Um, what's got coming with Fraun, then maybe I'll go back, depending yeah, maybe, on what happens. Maybe 2025, <laughs> that much this year. Yeah. Um, so, um, so um, okay, so we're reaching the oh god, press the wrong button. Reaching the the end here now, and uh, as everybody remembers earlier, I did ask a little quiz question at the start from Attack of the Clones, and uh, we will do this. Uh, what was it? Um, Price is right rules. Because um, yeah, we were, always we're will have Price is right without going over. Yeah, so if if you uh, go go and order a Skype order, and if you go over, it's uh, what happens if you go over? You're out, I suppose. I don't yeah. Know. yeah, don't don't say that you're over until you know everybody puts their thing in. But yeah, okay. So everybody gives the answer, and I say who? Okay, right. Okay, right. So so we know that twenty nine. Almost said the answer. Then we know that twenty nine Jedi survived the Battle of Genosis, but how many were there in the assault squad to begin with? So that's obviously the number that came on all the uh, airships and stuff and then plowed in to the stuff. So uh, it's I, my only clue is it's it, it's 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 more than a handful. I think you know that anyway. Um, so, uh, Ron. I, I genuinely have no clue. So the number that popped into my head, 437. OK, uh, 437. Yeah, Brian. Um, I'm going to say. 80. Right. I've got no, I'm not writing this down, so I've got this in my head. Okay, so, okay, okay, okay. And uh, Ricky? 600. 600. I would have said 1,000, but I'm trying not to go too far over what Ron said. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, uh, price is right, Ricky. Way you do 438. Yeah, both Ron and Ricky have gone over. 
Ron and Rick had gone over the number. Yeah, it felt, felt like so once I said it, 437 out of 20, or 29 left out of 437 seems, and just to the logistics That's of getting That's why Duke was going to pay for the Jedi he killed that day. <laughs> it, it, just the logistics of getting 400 people there would have been yeah. would have been challenging. So, and, and what Ryan say, 60? So, yeah, 80. 80. 80. Yeah. Well, that uh, Inquisitor book made it seem like there was like a million people there. So. <laughs> well, it did seem like that too in the film. There's a lot of droids, yeah. They took a lot of yeah. kids with them. So. And is that including in sync because they were on the cutting room yeah. floor? They're there. <laughs> what a lost opportunity. Um, so yeah, so Ryan wins that one. The actual That's answer fun. I can tell you was uh, 212. Mm. I knew there was a lot lost. I didn't want to go too high. Wait, wouldn't Ron yeah, be closer? Once I said it, I was like, oh, yeah, that, oh he that went over this excessive. Yeah. But I have no, I had no clue, and that literally was the number that popped in the head. Mm. So, uh, yeah, the congratulations, Brian. You've run seven, uh, which is a pat on the back this time around. There's no trophy. Um, I claim Bree's uh, trophy as my own now. Bree, <laughs> <laughs> you just you speak up now. Okay, yes. there we go. There we go. It's been... It's been... The one point that I needed to get ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It came too late. Oh. Too little, too so, late. Okay, folks. So uh, this is how the show ends with thunderous applause. Thanks to everyone for listening. Find us on all the usual social media platforms. Remember to keep it positive. And it's a goodbye for everybody. So it's goodbye from my fellow senators. It's goodbye from Ron. Cheers. Stay safe, everyone. Goodbye from Ryan. Long live the armorer. Excellent. And it's goodbye from Ricky. Live long and prosper. And it's goodbye <laughs> from me. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. Bye. All right. Good talk, everyone. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, switch off. Be sure to follow us online. We're at Facebook at PSW Senate. Join our Plus 20 Star Wars Facebook group where we all are in there interacting. You can find us on Twitter at PSW Senate. On Instagram, we're at PSW Senate Podcast. And on TikTok, we're at PSW Senate Podcast. We look forward to hearing from you. The Force will be with you. Always.
<laughs> Speaking of after credits, I remembered that on the Spider-Man thing. I thought I am gonna keep forwarding and forwarding and forwarding, and uh, because I know what happens on Marvel films. Um, yes, so actually. So when's the next? When's that next film out? We don't know yet. Oh, we don't know yet. No. Well, that's a one hell of a tease, wasn't it? It's okay. Deadpool. There's no Marvel movie. There's Marvel streaming shows. Echo comes out in like two days, uh, which was the character from the uh, their Daredevil spinoff. You know, oh, the Hawkeye. Yeah, it's Hawkeye. So uh, Echo is a character that's coming out for streaming. But as far as movies. It's only Deadpool. There's like Venom 3, but I really don't care about Sonyverse. So, and Craven. But, yeah, I thought uh, I saw 2024 was the year of, of, of sequels, so to speak. The year, you know, not a whole lot of new content in, in the slate of movies. It was all, you know, some follow-up to something that existed. But uh, Gladiator 2, Deadpool 3, uh, what else was it? There was just a... There's no big Marvel movies coming to the movie theater. Deadpool is the only one, and I... I guess that's technically Marvel since they bought the character. But there's been a year of sequels and that kind of stuff. And there's some films that you can't do sequels to. I mean, you can't have Titanic 2, can you? I mean, you did make Titanic 2. Well, I mean, the people <laughs> do this, but you know exactly what it's going to be, isn't yeah. it, don't you? Um, they, um, how long was the strike on for? Too long. At least a couple of months, wasn't it? Well, it's yeah. going to be that much of a delay for anything to come out. You know, like at it least seems like three months. The whole year back. Like I said, there's yeah. not a... Marvel movie or anything. I mean, one. Like I said, there's just one. When usually there's three. So, but I don't know. Not even so, that next Venom movie, right? Wasn't Venom three already in production, or they're gonna come out? With it? They're saying that's coming out this year. For some reason, they pushed Craven back. When it was done, they had trailers out, and they pushed Craven to this year. Which I might have been the only person in the world excited for it. Yeah, uh, I like <laughs> I like that. I like that actor. So I'm like, yeah, I want to see it. I like Craven. Craven, wasn't he? Wasn't he on Jeddah? Who was that person in the bar? Craven, Craven, Cliff. Would, Cliff. Was he Cliff? No, 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 Craven. no, no. Craven's son. No. On the planet of Je- on Jeddah, on Jeddah, this is a, on in the High Republic. There was that the the there was the Jeddah named Craven, and then there was the guy that ran the bar. That was also yeah, Craven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you were talking to himself. Craven would get you a drink. He yeah. would get you a drink. He would look after you. And he oh, had the is... two sisters as, as his protector, didn't they? The That's two so... brothers. He was called most something con... like Clayton. Most confusing audiobook ever. <laughs> yeah, that is that is uh, that is probably all, all this talk about audiobooks we've just said about before. That that <laughs> I, that has to be the Battle Jedi has to be the most confusing audio drama I've ever. I had no idea what was going on. Um, yeah. right, quite it a number was... of the time. It was after that audio drama that I realized I don't like audio dramas. It's as simple as that. There's no scene set. It's like watching a movie with your eyes closed. There's no description of anything that's going on. And I'm like, you know what? I hate it. Like, I really do. It would have been a lot better if just Mark Thompson doing all his voices or just having a few other actors and stuff in there. Yeah, they just seem to think that we can understand what's going on. Um, it'd be like, imagine, imagine the Battle of Genosis. As an audio drama, you've had no idea what was going on, would you? Literally. I thought it was fine. It was just confusing having two characters with the same name. <laughs> it was like the the weirdest thing. Like, why would you do that in a book? Audio dramas also don't use names. They're just like, oh, we use different voice actors. So you have to memorize what that voice actor sounds like. For the rest yeah, of and when you're in the middle of a battle and they're going, here, Crick, um, Crick, pass me the uh, pass me the blaster. Oh, yeah, here's your blaster. Here's your here's your uh, 
Here's your cup of tea. And uh, quickly, let's go down here, over here. You, you two come with me. And you're like, which two? Where are two? Where are they two? Where are they? What are they doing? Where are they going? You know, you don't know because you can't see anything. And they they haven't announced any audio dramas for Phase Three, which I'm happy about because I just straight up, they're not for me. I'll just say that they're just not. Do they for have me. any for Phase Two? Oh yeah, the the Battle Jetta. That was Phase One. No, uh, Phase One was uh, the one with Lorna D. Oh, I, I didn't listen to that one. Thank you. I didn't listen to Mm. Tempest Runner. Tempest oh, Runner, yeah. yeah. Right. So Battle Jetta was... That's right. Yeah. Hmm. That's right. Battle Jetta was... I, so I don't, for some reason, I was thinking Battle Jetta was Phase 1 this whole time. And, and it's that's right. Such... No, it did have... Uh, with the shield bronze. Yeah, that's right. I, it, I got so confused, like, during Phase 2 and Phase 3 starting now. Like, it's what so happened tight. before and what happened back then. It's so tight and it jumps back and forth so quick. It drove me crazy. There's so much overlap in it. I'm like... Dude, you gotta space these out by a couple weeks. Like these stories overlap every single other story. Like, well, and then in Eye of Darkness, it kept saying like, "Oh, well, remember this guy?" I'm like, "Well, that was like two months ago. <laughs> like, it wasn't, you know, not a big well, deal." I mean, in Eye of Darkness, I think um, Ryan had to start off with, and I kept confusing the the the, the chancellors, and I was thinking, "Yeah, what's she gone? What's she gone about her, her her kids being behind the storm wall? Axel's in prison." You know, I was going to hang them. That's the wrong <laughs> chancellor. <laughs> you know, I really got my chancellors confused at the start then because they're, they're both female and they sounded similar um, to my, in my mind to what I remembered the other one sounding like. Well, yeah. uh, they might have both been Mark Thompson. So. Well, they were both Mark Thompson, yeah. And I suppose that what can you have for a slightly more old, older um, chancellor female and stuff? You're gonna, they're going to be semi-similar voices, I suppose. I just noticed in that encyclopedia, um, Ryan, they got Aslan Rao in there, and uh, I've forgotten that he was in the um, in the <laughs> in the path of deceit. Forgotten he was the one that went investigating. Yeah. yeah, as soon as I read that name, I'm like, oh, I know that name. What is that name? Oh, it, it meant nothing to I, me. I've forgotten all about him. I'm just reading about him here now. Oh yeah. Um, he was, he so was they got, a, they got a bit about his history, but it says what he happened to him. Yeah. He's extended his, his lifespan by um, dabbling in the dark side. Yep, yep, yep. That's in the Shadows of Starlight. That was in there. Was it? I don't remember, it. don't remember that bit, but yeah. It's the first issue, dude. It's the one we were going crazy over. Like, I was literally... Pulling my eyebrows out. I'm bald, so I can't pull my hair out. I gotta pull something out. But like, I was going nuts when they revealed that. I'd, forgot, I'd forgotten. Well, I don't remember it saying about the lifespan. I don't obviously remember about dark, dark side, all that kind of stuff. I don't yeah. remember him, the one who was went to investigate him. But yeah, I know somebody did go and investigate. I didn't think trick that was him. But uh, you know, he was. He's, I believe he's the one that discovered the bodies in Path of Deceit. Yes. And his name was mentioned in Path of Vengeance, where he just bumped into a nameless. And then he also appeared in the mangas, which really surprised me because my library had the mangas. And I was like, you know what? I don't have a problem reading mangas, even though it's backwards. I'll give it a read. And it was stunningly good. And Asenrel was in there, too, also going crazy. So, like, and... uh. <laughs> A little spoiler, 
but he's the one that wrote the Shri Karai rhyme. So, I mean, it's just like all this crazy stuff from Aslan Rell, who appeared in, you know, two different forms of media and three different type of books. And then they introduced this guy and I'm like, I want so much more, you know, that's the problem with like phase three. I see so many extra stories and we may never get it because how long did it take before we got the backstory to your father fought in the clone wars? You know, it took almost 30 years to get that, you know, it took 20, you know, whatever, 20, 22 years to get the backstory. No, longer than that. It was uh, mm-hmm. 20, yeah, about 25 years. I forgot the Clone Wars weren't even mentioned in episode one. So there's very well may never hear expansions on this stuff because now I want the best. And that's the great thing about Star Wars. You have all these characters and you want to know the backstory. So like now I want the backstory of Aslan Rell for the past 150 years, man. Like what did he dip in the dark side? I mean, the Sith are gone. So he had to discover gone, air quotes. So he had to discover something on his own. So it's like, you know. Well, clearly he's not found out very much. Yeah. So that's that's what I love. It, it, yeah, you're really, years. it doesn't seem to have found out very much. It doesn't seem to be telling very much, does he? Which is quite... Yeah, um... He found it. He found it. He found it. Oh, I destroyed it. And it's like, well, you know, okay, well, are you going to help me out, brother, or what? Like, um, mm. So again, I, I just... I'm sitting here patiently. I'm not going to complain that I don't have a lot of backstory and, or I guess not, I shouldn't say backstory, filler story, fill story for Aslan Rell, because I'm just like, I'll sit here patiently. I'm hoping the comic covers it. They have a ton of comics. You know, I'm hoping, you know, something else covers it, a book, one of the middle grades, even. I don't care. I'm reading it all, man. Like, I'll just wait for the story to unfold. And it's like, I, I need more, I need more content. So it's great. Mm. I don't really remember some of these ones. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of Jedi. <laughs> oh yeah, they they definitely built a whole new part. There's a lot here, isn't there? I'm just trying to write. I thought I, so. I remember some of these ones. Some of these are like really bit bit characters as well, aren't they? No, oh, they've even got the uh, the um. Oh, so they got her from um. Yeah, she's Santara Karora. She's from the um from the game, isn't she? Oh, there's a game. Oh, was she? No, Jedi. Like, no, Dragon. Oh no, she's not. She looks very. She looks like the one in in the in the in the game, but she's not. Oh no, she's the one from the game. Tananor is mentioned in here. Yeah. Path of the Open Hand, the mother. Yeah. By gosh, it goes on quite well. Yana, Marda. Blimey, I'm going to get this one downloaded. And I might have to, might have to put up with so many pop-ups. But certainly, I might I might even buy that one. If it gets a bit cheaper. In the... mm, very good. Rest of the Jedi, Light of the Jedi. So what's the first phase? What's the title for the first phase of... It's the first part of phase three. <clears throat> uh, it's just right, just come up right in front of me. The Charles of the Jedi was is phase three, isn't it? Phase one was, hang on a minute, is that phase one was? Yeah, the they the did Jedi. give it a name. 
they did give it a name, but I don't remember what it was. Trial Song. I think that might be one of the... Trials of the Jedi for the whole phase, but I think each wave has got a title as well, isn't it? Or they just might just imagine it. I think they did, but I can't remember what they were. Whoa, yeah, because it's got even got... It, it kind of half spoils um, the first book. It's got the anniversary of Starlight Beacon here and saying about what happens to Priority Vita. So this couldn't come back. This couldn't have come out before the book. Well, if it did, it would have spoiled a bit for people. Does it say that he actually died? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Oh my gosh! About the end of the timeline, last thing in that timeline. Yeah, that would have been a huge spoiler. Anthony, that's it. Anthony, I've got to get Anthony. Got to get him, don't get him confused with Narnia. That's so indifferent. Um, yeah, I got confused. I had to go back and quickly look back at some of those comics. I got confused between um, the ex, the ex Nihil member got killed. Forgotten that one with three eyes, where he is in that in that comic. I thought he had survived, and he was the one that um, Yoda had at the end of the book. But no, he had at the end of the book. He had Aslin at the end of that um, last phase one book. Did you make New Year's, Stephen? Did you see the ball? Or no, did you see the clock? No. I don't know. What do you guys do over there? Do you see the, the, something happens with a clock? Sorry? New Year's Eve over here, we watch the ball drop. I get on the TV and watch the ball drop in New York City. Yeah, tradition I, I, from a kid. What, what, what happens over there when, when the New Year switches over for you? Not for me. I was sleeping. I you were sleeping. It. You're Somebody that sleeps through it. I just haven't. haven't yeah, I can't, can't be through it. It's just another day, just another night, just another day for you, huh? It's not my thing at all, uh, New Year's. Uh, for other people, different, but for me, uh, just not my, just not my thing. For to, uh, I just get a bit bored of it, really. All this <laughs> looking back, looking forward, New Year's resolutions, and. I, it's going to sound morbid. I, I, like is not the right word, but I'm going to say I like. I like the in memoriam aspect of, of thing that shows just to pay another bit of respect, we, you know, to the people lost for the year, the, the actors, famous people, history shapers, just any and all that to go back and go, oh, wow, that person passed away. That, and maybe as I'm getting older, that that begins a bit more, has a bit more weight each year is in the scene going, oh, that guy, that guy's my age or well, that guy's not much older than me. Uh, wow. She's not. Uh, she she died young, you know, just uh, that seems to carry away. But just to see the names and go, wow, I didn't, I forgot we lost that person. You know, people that pass away in February of a year, kind of, you know, anybody that passed away there in November, you knew about, they're fresh on the mind, but the, the ones that passed away earlier in the year. So when they do those recaps, I kind of, again, enjoy is not the right word, but I, I appreciate seeing those recaps and, and thinking of all the people that we lost. Yes. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, you always hear those kind of things at the end of the year. And uh, actually, didn't hear any of that. This didn't hear much about that last year. I just try to avoid. Just try to avoid uh, with that. Anything like that is on. What are you yawning for? It's like five o'clock in the afternoon over there, or whatever. Right? What are you yawning for? Half past three. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's five when we end. That's right. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I'm not. Yeah, no, New Year's not really my thing. Just don't, don't really like it at all. 
Well, I was I was asking what's the thing in London or what's what's the equivalent of they've the ball got, drop? They've got quite big fire offense and stuff on there by the uh, by the London Eye and down the uh, uh, the, the, the Thames and stuff like that around that area. They've got loads of fire stuff that go off. Oh, that's great. That's is there anything that just um, the 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 drops, or uh, you're counting down to you know you see like like we have the ball dropping, we counting down ten nine eight to when it drops and hits its hits this mark, we know it's a new year. Or you just they're just waiting around, waiting for the fireworks to go off. Well, the fireworks going off and, and Big Ben sort of uh, ringing out would be the uh, uh, obviously right when oh. Big Ben starts. So is it midnight? Is it the new year when it starts ringing, or it's not New Year's until the last, the twelfth toll or twelfth bell or whatever? There's the question, but it could be the first one, isn't it? It's the first one because that's when it clicks. Yeah, that's it's a, the first one. Yeah, right. So it clicks at at, at midnight at, in one second, and then just rings twelve times. So the twelfth one's twelve seconds into the new year, or twelve, whatever, into the new year. Hi, Ryan. He's back.